Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, October 6th. We are here live. We were live for the last uh, four minutes. I just forgot to hit all the right buttons. Boy, I wish I could get this setup simplified. Um, Now I've pushed all the right buttons. We're here. We are live. I'll start over. Um, I had a first off, it's a free for all today. Anything goes. Jump in here and join us. Phone lines are open 855 950 First hour is a free for all. Second hour will be trucking technology and efficiency. I believe we've got uh, Joel and Henry and Alec that will be with us. Uh, in the meantime, pick up the phone and join me. Uh, a quick update on some COVID stuff kind of really makes me a little crazy. We knew this was happening. The government's finally admitted it. And there's no good reason to do this. But the government has now admitted that COVID deaths were reported any time that there was a positive COVID test, no matter what the real cause of death was. So you could have been in a car crash. And if you had a positive COVID test near your death, you were listed as a COVID death. We knew it was happening. Now they've admitted it. We've never, ever done this in the past. Nobody has ever been listed as a flu death when they committed suicide but had the flu or got in a car crash or got shot and had the flu. We've never, ever done anything like this. There's no reason to do it. There's a thousand reasons not to do this. But they did it. The only reason I can think of why they would do this is just to cause fear and panic, which they did. I'm sure we're going to see this again now. I'm sure they're still counting them this way. So when will we see the real numbers? Because even though they're counting them this way, they know what the real numbers are. They could tell us how many people actually died from COVID, but they won't. All right. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on COVID. It makes me crazy. Uh, I also don't want to be like, chicken little coming on here every morning saying the sky is falling. I don't like being so pessimistic. I don't want to be the boy who cried wolf, but I got to say this and I'm going to keep saying it until I see some other evidence. I think we are in trouble in our economy. I think we might be in bigger trouble than most people are predicting or expecting or thinking. I hope not, but um, there are a couple things happening that, um, well, there are lots of things happening. I follow a lot of people on social media that um, report on different segments. Like I follow a couple people who are really big into auto sales and they track all the auto sales and they report on them. I follow people in retail sales. I follow people in real estate sales. I follow people in commercial real estate sales and strip malls and office buildings. And there has not been a single bit of good news out of any of those segments. The news about the economy has been pretty rough in the last week, suddenly. And the freight rates are also doing that. I, this week... Just this week, the freight rates have tanked so fast. I've never seen anything quite like this. I was going to go back and look at the charts from the COVID lockdowns and see if they looked anything like this. Uh, Dropping 6 and 7%. Some of these indices and markers 
dropped 6 and 7% in 24 hours. That's how fast things happen. Uh, fuel prices dropped a little bit, not enough to help, and I don't think they're going to continue dropping unless demand just totally falls flat, and it could. But there's a, there's a bigger worry, something I've been watching, and um, it, it kind of happened. Um, looking at some numbers that have not occurred since the Great Depression. So we had out-of-control government spending through the pandemic, and both parties were responsible. The Republicans were in charge the first time we spent a ton of money on COVID. Then the Democrats really cranked it up to a whole new level, and everybody said over and over and over, if the government spends like this, we're going to see out-of-control inflation. We have. Now, the numbers for inflation don't look that bad. It looks like they've improved, but they really haven't. The prices of the things people have to buy every day have not come down. Even though inflation has pulled back a little, the real world pricing for things people need to buy all the time are not getting cheaper anywhere. So inflation is continuing. So now they're trying to fix that by increasing interest rates. Um, that has dropped the inflation rate enough, but like I said, not enough to drop prices. Most consumer goods and services, as well as rent and housing prices, remain much higher than they were before the pandemic started. The money supply, though, is the problem. The money supply has substantially decreased. So prices are going up, but there's not enough money available and the middle class is going to get squeezed really hard. They already are. Uh, so we could look back 110 years. And the only other time we've seen the money supply drop this sharply was in the early 1930s at the height of the Great Depression. We're seeing that same kind of scenario happen right now. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing the results of it, which is also bad news. Consumers don't have enough money to buy the things they need, just the essentials right now. And they're putting things on credit cards again. Now, during the pandemic, the, the credit card balances hit a record low. Savings hit a record high, personal savings. That is completely flipped again. Um, for the first time in history... Americans have a combined credit card debt of over a trillion dollars. That's never happened before. That's not a good sign. We are not in the recession officially yet. We're not in what they might be calling now a depression. We're not there yet. The people heading into that are in bad financial shape. They have no savings and they're maxing out their credit cards. I looked really, really hard to find some good news about the economy, and I really can't find any. It's definitely got me a little worried. Um, we have to worry about our business. Um, we all do. We have to worry about our personal finances. There's an awful lot of stuff going on that could exacerbate this. Uh, I've been talking about it for several years. We knew it was coming. We just didn't know when, and it kept being put off 
with a lot of government spending. Now, what is the government going to do right now about the budget bill? The Democrats want more spending, and at least the Republicans are being a little bit responsible about this. They would rather cut back on spending, and that's what we're fighting about now. We're fighting about how we're going to fund the government, and I think now is the time that the two parties need to get together and show a little common sense and say, we can't keep spending money. You know, I, um, I think back to one of uh, Bruce Williams' favorite sayings. I can't count how many times I heard him say this. People would call in and ask about borrowing money usually. And his phrase over and over and over was, you can't borrow your way to prosperity. You can't borrow your way to success. That's really good advice. Now, there are a lot of people out there that believe, no, you should leverage everything. It, it, you can leverage things and get away with it sometimes. But in a time like this, it will, uh, it will be a horrible strategy. And unfortunately, our government's been doing it. Our businesses have been doing it. Our individuals have been doing it. They've been trying to borrow their way to success and prosperity. And it's... Uh, I think it's about to crash. Uh, what else do I have? Um, I think that's probably enough for right now. Uh, let's get to some phone calls and find out what's on your mind today. We're going to get started north of the border. PJ, welcome to the program. Hello? Yep. Are you with me? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. How are you today, Mr. Uh, actually, how, how are you, Kevin? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. What's on your mind today? Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, first of all, you sound a lot different live because I've been literally binging on the Let's Truck app at a little bit of a higher speed. So I could basically <laughs> listen to all the shows that you've had since the beginning of March of 2022. Good, good. So just, yeah, just, just a quick summary, just, uh, just to be real quick, and then I can have a quick little question, and I'll sure. just be following around as a fucker that I plan to be. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I found you on Twitter I, a couple months ago, and then I just, that's, and that's when I decided I found you on the, your app, and then I decided to just listen to everything with the, the power hour and the rolling toe and your health and, and everything, I, and I caught up on everything. I binged it all in my truck over wow. the last couple months driving. Congratulations. Yep, yep. Yeah, thank you. So now I, I pretty much, I got, I'm happy that it came, kind of came at this time because Friday you have the free-for-all. I have a Thanksgiving long weekend coming up and I'm going to be with my family. And I don't really want to be a fucker at home. So I got to kind of like <laughs> get away and ventilate for a bit. There you go. So, so yeah, so so that, that's basically my, my background. As far as, uh, as my personal, uh, I guess my business life, I've been trucking for, let's say, almost two decades where... In between that time, I decided to have a wife and kids, which wouldn't involve trucking. So I kind of tried serial entrepreneurship where I failed with a bunch of shit. I started <laughs> new stuff and, and, and actually I, and I actually exited with a couple, uh, a couple profitable cash outs, which was good. But then that, I decided hey, three hey, years only, ago after. Not, not yep, only sorry. did you cash out with some, you know, profit there, you also gained a ton of good experience. Exactly. exactly. A lot of learning. You're absolutely right. And we, which, which I did in the last couple of months listening to your app, I feel like that was an absolute, like, of course, at Harvard, even though I've never been to Harvard and I've even been on campus. But 
something something good about that app with education and everything. It just feels pretty cool. The whole tribe mentality seemed weird, but it's pretty pretty cool. Good. Now, what I'd what 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 I'd like to uh, point out is that yeah, so I got back into trucking uh, a couple years ago after a couple business endeavors, mainly because I'm a Canadian, but I want to move to to America. I don't know if that sounds right or whatever, but that's what I want to do. And I found that a a good path for me. Let me address that. I want lots of good people to move and emigrate to America. We need it. We need people. We need good people. And unfortunately, uh, one of the biggest reasons we need good people is we've screwed up our own children so bad. I agree. I agree. And I think that's worldwide, Kevin. I, I think know. that's worldwide. It's, a, it's not only a, but, but nevertheless, I, what I, what, what I do plan on, what I planned on doing is getting, uh, I got back into trucking because it was a, it's, it's a nice way of, it's a path of getting a green card because trucking offers a green card. I could have came in on e-visas and different types of visas, but that just offered visas. And I wanted, right. I wanted a little bit more uh, stability, more guaranteed with my, I have two young daughters and a wife and I didn't want to uproot them. And, and totally change their life without a guarantee. So anyway, I've been trucking for the last three years, waiting for this green card, which right now seems to be even prolonged even more because of what's going on with these. Yeah, I don't even know what they call these timbits. Yeah, in, in the in government. But anyway, so I'm waiting for that. But in the meantime, I've been listening to your stuff, which totally fits in with my lifestyle—the healthy living, business, how everything goes up and down—and that, 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 that's just what I want to come across now. I'm not going to take too much of your time because I'm going to be around now. So I'm, I'll, I'll have lots of time to bug you since I'm not binging on the app and I can't really call or nothing <laughs> at that time. Good. But, but, but yeah, I'll be around and I'll be fine. But my, what, what, one question, I, I have a question. First, I guess I give you an observation and my question. I have an observation with regards to this UAW strike um, because I drive out of Ontario and I'm always going through the Michigan border, whether it's Sarnia or uh, Port Huron or Detroit, whatever. And I'm always running through the 75. 69 and I drive all 48 all 49 states and I what I do is LTL I do a full load of LTL whether it be like 10 12 13 drops on the way out and then I fill up my truck with a, whatever it may be to be 10 15 drops on the way back nice whatever that may be so I'm nice. I'm, I'm yeah I'm, I'm everywhere right? yeah so in the last three years I've hit uniquely I've probably hit about 1500 1600 unique businesses this isn't like dedicated nothing this is i run everywhere anywhere and it's always like where am i going i don't know but it's been it's been amazing as far as another education as the country is going where people are going yeah where business is going and everything in that sense right so anyway this uaw strike i've never seen it like this in the in, in the detroit area around michigan the 75 area most most things it's dead in the last three weeks since uae it's just been such a pleasure to drive through there I'm just like, they, they can stay on strike forever. I'm, I'm flying through there, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh, so, 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 so that's an observation I made. And yeah, I totally agree with you as far as the economy is going. I think that could be a very good thing for capitalism and business. But at the other hand, depends who's in power with snowflakes around these days and all these rainbows. I don't know what's going to happen with all that. But in the, in the end, I just had a question for you because I've been looking at the prospects of when I do move to the States and I'm an, I'm an American. I've been looking at the prospect of the FedEx ground business, and I know you've been in it, and yeah. you flourished in it, and you exited it. Why, why did you exit? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, it was probably, no, not probably, I will say it was the hardest decision I've made in my life. That single decision, okay. was, I, I'm, I am usually never indecisive. 
Like I, it, I am one of those people that make up my mind quickly. I either know it or I don't know it. I don't have to think about things a lot. Usually, I mean that's that's just how I do things. I I look at something, I make up my mind, and I move forward. Um, so, something as simple as walking into a new restaurant. When I open up the menu, people think I'm crazy, but the first dish I see that sounds good, I just order it. I'm new. Right if, if, if this right is on. a good restaurant, I'm going to be coming back, and I'll try everything eventually. So why stress over that first decision? Just try something. I mean, that's just how I approach almost everything. Yep. So this decision was really hard, and it was really hard because there was a lot of reasons not to do it. I had worked on that business for about 30 years. I had it down so tight that I was only working, you know, I say an hour a week. And honestly, that's a lie. There were weeks I didn't even put in an hour. I believe it. Yeah, there were weeks where I didn't work on that business at all. Didn't even think about it. They went, I had awesome drivers. (laughs) They went to work. They did their job. I had a shop that took care of my trucks. I had a great relationship with with the local FedEx people, and I, I didn't have to do much of anything. And it threw off an incredible amount of profit because I had worked on it so hard. I controlled my expenses. I, I had built up a good score, so I had great runs on all my trucks. So why would I get rid of something like that? There, there were multiple reasons. There, there, I doubt that there could have been one good enough reason to do it. And, and that's why it took me a long time to think through this. The biggest one was it was no longer any kind of a challenge for me. It was, it was just there. It, it was at that point, it really was passive income. And I also have talked on many shows about most of my retirement money was in the stock market at that time, which was passive. And, and I was looking around saying, you know, I'm 50 and I could kind of retire if I wanted to, but I don't want to. I, I'm kind of getting bored and I need a challenge. And, you know, the opportunity for the radio show came up and we got the radio show started. Um, I had an investor in the beginning that that uh, started it with me. Um, and then we wanted to take it over ourselves and grow it. And I just looked at that business. We weren't living in Florida anymore. We were on the road traveling full time. And I we wanted to settle down. We were looking at the gorge here where we are now. And I said, you know what? Right now, the cash we could get out of selling that business is much more valuable than the income it's throwing off. And I I don't feel like I'm running it anymore. I don't feel like we're really taking care of it the way we should. And eventually, it won't stay this good. You know, I can coast for a little while on all the work we did all those years, but we're going to have to re-engage with this business and it's going to take time. And, you know, we were coming up to the point where we we're going to have to start replacing some trucks. So we'd have to be reinvesting. And I, it was just time to, to um, cash out, it, but it was not an easy decision. Mm-hmm. Absolutely understandable. And, and I appreciate that answer. That's actually something that I'm is really on the top of my list because I do love trucking so much and it does allow me to tweak and, 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 and it's, a, it's a good amount of capital and eventually get that passive enough that I could step away at some point or exit. So basically you got out, but I'll be around and you could kind of live vicariously through me and I will be around uh, bugging you 
and uh, to help me with that one, I guess, because I also heard very recently with your most recent pod, uh, uh, webinars or podcasts that you're planning on doing some sort of, uh, you know, you're trying to split, have about 50 arms on that body of yours to help out as many people as you could with the health and, and with uh, trucking with these forces that you're, or, or with this group, this type of paid group that you're thinking about having. And, yeah, it's, 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 you know, we're calling it group coaching. So what it allows me to do is work pretty intensely with one person who has a problem, but multiple people can benefit from all of that. You know, I, I've spent a lot of time one-on-one with people on the phone. I used to spend all day like that. And eventually I had to say, look, this does make sense. I could be helping a lot more people. That's where the radio show came from. I never had any plans on being a talk show host. Uh, yeah. But, but you know, I, I really saw that as the tool. And I, I've modeled my show after Bruce Williams. I've talked about that. Um, it, the, the radio for me was not a career. Uh, radio was a tool. It was just a tool to reach more people at the same time. You know, I... I might sound arrogant, but I felt like the things I was saying to one person at a time were important and they could help a lot of people. So I wanted more people to hear them. Yeah. And I, I had to get away Damn from right. that one on one stuff. I, I just didn't have time. So uh, we put a lot of time and effort. I even paid a company a lot of money to consult with us on, on what would be the best way to get our information out to the most people at the lowest price. You know, if I'm going to do one-on-one today, as crazy as it sounds, I'd have to charge $500 an hour. And even then, I wouldn't want to do it. It would still be taking too much of my time away from being able to help a lot of people. So we we feel like this this show with this format, no commercials, no interruptions, um, helps us reach a lot of people. But how do I take those people to the next level? And that's what the group coaching is going to do. Wonderful, wonderful, Kevin. So yeah, I, I, I'm all up to date on all that, and, and you're going to be possibly doing that with the health as well. I was uh, even we're actually into starting like it with the health. The the health will be the first. Okay. Yeah, we'll launch the health group coaching first, and then once we kind of work out the bugs, because there's always bugs, no matter how hard you plan for this stuff. Um, then we'll roll out the second one, so we don't have to make mistakes on two of them. Beautiful. Yeah. I was actually thinking about uh, getting a P.O. box or some kind of BPL set up so I can start ordering a bunch of your products and start using it up here in Canada because can't get anything up here out of your shop. Right. Uh, so that, 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 that kind of sucks. It, it does. We, we've looked at other options for shipping and it, it's just a check. You know, I don't know why it's so hard and expensive getting stuff across that damn border. It's just an imaginary oh, line, you know, makes me crazy. Oh, I know. I know. But, but it's, so, it's, it's it's very imaginary in, in, unless you live on the other side and you have to commute right. all that time. It, yeah. It's pretty it, it's pretty real in the end. Yeah. But but yeah. So I, don't, I, I if I was here longer and I was saying I was staying here, I would set up some sort of distribution channel for you for sure. We would get something pumping because that stuff looks good and, and it's all legit and it's and it's all really nice. But I, I mean, I'm coming down there. I don't want to want to be up there anymore. Good. But uh, yeah. So. I just wanted to I wanted to introduce myself again. My name is PJ, and everyone in the tribe I've been listening to you guys. You guys are solid individuals. You have such a great group over here, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be probably always calling because I'm I'm more of a listener. Even though it sounds like I've talked my brain, talked my whole head <laughs> off, but I've been listening to you for the last three, That's three right. months. So 
you could imagine I was I was sitting on that I was sitting on on those replays and I was like talking to them. So in the end, this is pretty little compared to how much I talk to those things. But yeah, so I just want to say hello. My name is PJ, and have a great day, great weekend. I'm going to enjoy Thanksgiving and then plug back into the Falker world next week. Excellent. I'm going to look forward to hearing back from you. So you're not going to call all the time, but you should call. Uh, what a great call for a Friday, man. It's been uh, it's been a tough week. I'll I'll admit it. I've got several tough weeks coming up. We just a lot of things happened at once. So um, it's awesome right now to hear that kind of feedback. Let's go to Alabama. Matt, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Well, some good news about your trip, as long as you actually get your coach out on the road. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uh, You're going to save a little money on fuel. Is it going down? I hope. Yeah. Another 16 cents tonight at midnight on Nastic. Did it go down 16 last night? 30, 17 17 last night. So we're... 38 cents for this week. Man, what a crazy week. And it was four, four cents last week, 10 cents the week before, all down. And then the week before that was up 20. So, so yeah, we're on a, we're on a downward trend. And the last two days is big time. So I hate to be, you know, Mr. Bad News, but I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's not good news. <laughs> right. I, that is not a good sign because we know we're not producing oil. We know OPEC was cutting back. I think Russia was cutting back. Everybody was cutting back on production, which should have raised prices. The only explanation yep. for prices dropping that fast is a lack of demand. Yep. And that's not good, and but that that I don't that know. seems to make sense when we look at some of the news this week and what's happened with freight rates. Yeah. What I'd like to know is how much the whole UAW thing has an effect on I know kind of all these put together. Because, I mean, we know it's a lot of trucks right. that aren't moving freight, you know, just on the production side, not even the finished product side. But, I mean, it's both ends, so yeah, exactly. it's, it's huge. Um, so I got several things, I'm sure, but I want to finish or follow up from last Friday. Yeah. I called, and we talked about the S&P 500 and inflation, and those companies will inflate as inflation happens. And then um, Jeremy called, and you handled it very well. I just want to reiterate what you said. And what I'm not saying is that, as inflation goes up, they're going to inflate at the same time. I'm talking long-term, inflation doesn't hurt the stock market near as much as the other side of the economy. Right. That's correct. Over time, it will level out and, you know, whatever inflation we have, companies that sell products, they're going to inflate, you know, once right. it all levels out. It'll, it'll even out in the long run. But... That could be two, three years. Correct. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen quickly, but over time it will. So yeah, we're you know we're we're worried about the inflation not stopping and economic activity slowing down like it is now. I I, I didn't read in any of these articles. Nobody was mentioning stagflation, but it, it kind of sounds like what we're heading for again. Well, and to get off of the bad news side of it and try to put some common sense to 
some things, which this is not how I, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. This is, we're headed for worse times than anybody's predicting. But that is the point of raising the inflation rate or uh, the interest rates is to right. slow everything down. Correct. So that inflation slows down. But the hard part is, is the timing, you know, like timing the market. Right. Now the Fed has to try to figure out, <laughs> okay, we've slowed things down so much. We've but, tightened up the money supply. We've increased, you know, the interest rate that we need to start dropping the interest rate to speed up the money flow again. But, you know, back in the 80s, that process was much slower than it is today. Right. With technology. Right. So... Their timing is very, very critical in this, and they may have missed the mark. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that didn't happen, the the overall inflation rate did drop. It's still higher than what we want it to be, but it's not as bad as it was for a while. But real-world pricing on most things people buy did not seem to drop at all. Well... No, and we don't ever expect prices to drop. We just want them to stabilize and go back to our two or three percent inflation. Yeah, we're we're still looking at and, most things that people buy yeah. are more expensive than they were prior to the pandemic. They're not yep. coming back down, and that's a problem. Yeah, and like I talked about last week, other parts of the world is their inflation's ten times ours. Worse, yeah. So, and, yeah, we're and, and that we're, matters. China's worldwide, we got problems. Right, yeah. China's in trouble. Yeah, yeah. It's it, like I said. I, I hate being Mister Bad News, but it, it, we got to face reality. I'm hoping we yeah, find we some weird some way out of this. I know. I, I'm I'm hoping it's now. Look, I, I I think we need an adjustment. I think we need a recession. I just hope that it could be a fairly normal 12 to 18 months, not too deep, but that that's not what it's looking like. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the unknown that right. there's nobody can predict how deep it could go or how long it could last. And I mean, yeah, we're and due for a recession. So it, the recession itself is not bad. Right. Right. It, it, it happens if you're prepared for them, they can actually be good. Uh, but there are too many things going on all at the same time that I don't know that we've ever dealt with this. We have world instability. You know, we've got Ukraine, which is a problem. Europe's a problem right now. China is probably going to invade Taiwan at some point. We're going to have to deal with that. We've got uh, a government that's basically broke and can't you can't put a budget together and now they really can't put a budget together because we don't have a speaker of the house. I mean, we can just go on and on and on yep. and list all of this stuff. And that's what scares me. We've never seen anything like this that I can recall. Well, um, yeah, Lisa and for me, I hadn't heard this yet, but Trump is sticking his nose into that speaker of the house thing. And he, he's, he's volunteered. I, I would have never even guessed this is possible, but yeah, it's, well, the, I would have thought you had to be a member of the House. Isn't it interesting how I guess much there is some loopholes? You know, you and I both have followed politics for a long time. I'm not like a political junkie, but I, I've learned a lot about politics over the last twenty some years that I've been following it. And yet, 
in the last couple of years, I've learned all kinds of things I didn't know. I had no idea you could be Speaker of the House if you weren't, you don't even have to be a politician. You don't have to be in Congress. Anybody could serve in that role. I had no nope. idea. So um, yeah, what, what I did here, yeah, I, Trump came out and said, I would be willing to take that job temporarily while you found somebody else. And today, though, he came out with a very strong endorsement of Jim Jordan. Trump did. So Trump doesn't want okay. it. He, he would, you know, so he's, I think he's going to push heavy to get Jim Jordan in there. Um, and Trump doesn't want it because it would be a huge distraction from trying to run for office. Yep. And that puts him right in the middle of the, well, he puts himself in the middle of the place. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it could go one of two ways. It could either help or hurt his campaign. You know, you just never right. know what, right. what the subjects that come up. But Well, and, and but yeah, the, it, it's not like he doesn't have a lot of other things going on, like four lawsuits to deal with. Yeah. Or criminal Which, cases. They're actually I mean, worse like, than yeah. lawsuits. They're criminal cases. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a strange time. That's it really for sure. is. And, I mean, the talk, you know, about heading into a depression, I... I think that's an over-exaggeration, too. Um, not saying it's not possible. The, but the, the money supply scares not me. Not really where I waste my time thinking, yeah. The, the money well, supply scares me. So the whole student loan debacle, right? the student loan forgiveness, I heard a statistic this week, and it was on the Dave Ramsey show, so I put pretty good faith in what, what they put out. Did you know... So our, our federal government, you know, they have liabilities, all of our debt, and they also have an asset category, so they balance their books. Do you know the largest category of their assets? Please don't tell me it's student loans. 45% of their assets are student loans. You have got to be kidding me. Uh, if they forgave any student loans, it would crash our federal government's budget. Forty-five uh, percent. Uh, yeah. Well, because because they are federally backed, you know, there's right. mortgages, but very few federally backed mortgages. Most of those are all private. Correct. So I mean, there's a lot more mortgage debt out there than there's student loan debt. But yeah, as far as their assets, which they don't have a whole lot. Student loans, because it's student loans that are, I, I can never remember the number, but it's multi-trillion, I think. Which is the problem. Student loans. Which is the problem. Yeah. Because the government was willing to give twenty and $30,000 a year to 19-year-olds that don't have a job. Of course, um, the cost of the college is going to go up when money is so easy to get. That's why our colleges are so expensive now, because they can be because the government gives everybody money. The whole system is a wreck. Yeah. And statistically, it's only like 30 high 30 percent of graduates actually end up working in the field that they right. studied for. Right. But it, the so, whole system that is means a train wreck. some percent. Yeah, they didn't even need to do what they did. Right. And yet now we have all yeah, of this debt and the government wants us all to chip in and pay for it. I, I just thinking about this topic makes me insane.
I don't care. I hear these statistics. Well, we have people who owe over $100,000 at 7% interest, and it will bury them, and they'll never get out of that debt. You know what? I screwed up in business and almost buried myself in debt, and it took me four years to dig my ass out of it, but nobody came to give me any money. Well, I made bad decisions, point, you know, and both. I had to pay for them. Yeah. And at one point, both personal and business, so I mean, this includes a mortgage, I think my top debt was pushing 300000 at one point. Yeah. And I'm currently debt-free. Correct. So this, that, that's what adults do. Right. If adults borrow money, yeah. they pay it back. Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, the federal government is an example of us. We elect them. Yeah, and you know, this is they what we should get. Set an example for us, but yeah, they're they're just repeating the majority out here. Yeah, spend more than you make. You know, have a negative, yeah. you know, budget every every year, every month, whatever. But it's yeah, it's you almost can't blame them because they are just representing the people, and that yeah. is That's... what a lot of people out here are doing. Yep, yep, exactly. And uh-huh. we're we're unfortunately. When it's allowed to go on this long, we all pay the price now. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, now, I mean, the amount of debt we have and the interest rates up, we can't even, we'd have, I don't know the numbers, but we'd have to cut our federal budget probably in half just to just not to go break in even, debt right? anymore. Just to, just to yeah. stop the bleeding. That's how far, you know, that's how far out of whack it I, is. And, and, and guess Just the current expenses and the interest, yeah. Right. Right. So here's what will happen. We'll never cut the federal budget by 50 percent. It's never, ever going to happen. So that's out of the question. We can't. We're never going to double the tax revenue. But but we will. Not really possible either. Right. But we will increase taxes. And guess who the only group left at this point to increase taxes on are the rich. They're the only ones left with any money at this point. The middle class is all going into debt on their credit cards again. Yep. Well, yeah, I don't, these statistics move around too, but it's close to 50% of the population don't even pay taxes. It, right. I mean, they yeah, it, pay taxes and, But they end up you know, getting more back. At the end of the year. It than ends they up, pay. Yep. Ends up, they're not contributing anything by the time it's said and done at the end of the year. Right. So it's, it's the 50% and above that pay it. And even if you tax the rich at 100%, doesn't cover our budget. I won't do it. Right. It's not looking good. Huh. Now I'm thoroughly no. depressed. Thanks, Matt. You were going to call and give us good news. Hey, well, the good news is you have a piece of land to escape to when the shit really hits the fan. You ain't kidding. You ain't kidding. My God. I know. And uh, yeah, that. Them elk in the backyard make me want to look into the Washington hunting rules, and uh, so I'm assuming it's a lottery like most of the western states. <laughs> I, I haven't looked yet. I need to. But For at least out-of-state residents, yeah. Last night I was heading Which, up there, and right before you get into the National Forest, there's a property right off the kind of the main road going through there. It's not much of a main road, but um, I looked over. They have a big lawn. It's kind of behind some trees, and I'm, I'm as I'm driving by, I'm looking. I'm like, are there elk over there? And then I got a little bit of a clearing and I'm like, yeah, there's a bunch of elk in the yard. So then I went to my place and 
the elk were all out in the field, probably 20 or 30 of them, which is a pretty, pretty amazing sight. They're big animals and they were close. Then on the way back, I saw that yard from a different angle. I'm not exaggerating. There had to be 70 or 80 elk on this guy's lawn. They were everywhere. These herds are big. I, you know, when I lived in Colorado, we had really, really big elk herds. And I didn't think that these were that big, but they really are. I'm seeing more and more of them. And there, there are some big herds out there. Yeah. I know there's some big ones. I'm not going to remember the names of the town, but up there along U.S. to the U.S. 12, like central part of Washington, east west. Uh, is it 12? It goes up and over the mountains in there. and Yeah, I, I'd have to look at a map. It's been so long. but Yeah, I don't remember but, what that one is. I've never spent a whole lot of time out in that part of the country, but I know, yeah, going over that mountain range there in, I guess it's western Washington, between the, the mountain range and I-5, that there are a lot of elk through there. A couple might times be, I've been through there. but You might be talking about two, Route 2. Is that, oh, yeah, probably two that far north. Yeah, yeah, I so, think it is. But, it, two goes right one, into Seattle. The, it kind of sort of parallels 90 a little bit. That really does parallel 90. They split yeah. in Spokane. 90 goes down south uh, through like Moses Lake in that and uh, Route 2. I actually remember Route 2. I did a, uh, I did a big powerlifting competition out in Leavenworth, uh, Washington, which is kind of a cool town. It's uh Still looks like it did in the horse and buggy days. They still have all the hitching posts and all the old wooden huh. boardwalks and kind of a cool little town that's right on route too. Yeah, when when you do get around to cooking elk, you need to add lots of elk fat. is very very lean. Uh, yeah, I I'm yep. aware. Um, I a quick funny story. The um, our neighbors right across the street. They were the first people I met when when I moved in. In fact, the the um, the wife, I met her, I, I was backing the, the trailer into the driveway the first time I came out of here to unload stuff after we bought it. And she walked over and started talking. She was pretty interesting. She, it's Friday, we might as well tell stories. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers this. I can't remember the name. There was a big, big cult in Oregon back in like the 70s. The guy became famous. He had one of those weird, you know, names. Um was like a multi-millionaire back then and he had this big cult and then they built a big compound over in Hawaii. Uh, this woman, when she was a little girl, her mother ended up in that cult. And the last time she heard about her mother was that she had gone over to Hawaii. She never heard from her again. And her father raised her. Um, so she's quite the tomboy. She races motorcycles and downhill skis and she holds some sharpshooting records. And uh, she's all of about, you know, five, two and a hundred pounds. She was out elk hunting when she was like six months pregnant and she gets an elk and she calls me and says, Hey, come over and help me cut up this elk. So I'm over there helping her and her husband and the three of us are, you know, tearing down this elk and they're like making piles, you know, scraps over here, big cuts over here, and then they're going to take it to a processor, but we're kind of breaking it down. So I'm helping them and we're cutting stuff up and I look over in the pile of stuff that's going to make sausage, the scrap pile. And I said, who put these over here? And she looked at me and she said, I did. Why? And I said, 
this is the backstrap. This is the best part of the whole animal. We're not making sausage out of this. I said, I'll, I'll take them both and I'll cook them and we'll have them for dinner. That's even more lean. I mean, there is no fat whatsoever in that backstrap, but it's, uh, it's really tender. Um, it's, it is about the best cut on the animal, but boy, is it lean. Yeah. Yeah. The tenderloin and the backstrap are, you always got to get those set aside. Yeah. All of them were in the scrap pile. I'm like, oh no, 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 not these. There's plenty of scrap to make sausage and burger out of. Don't use these. All right. I better get to some phone calls because they're piling up on us. Sounds good. All right. Take care. Let's, uh, let's go to Kansas. Neil, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, I got good news, bad news. Yeah. Uh, on the banking thing, you know, because I, I sit down with our local bank quite often. Fortunately, I still have access to cash, but, um, you know, we talk about all the time, you know, the repo situations or what they have. And I know it's on a smaller scale, but, you know, I just don't see how these banks survive. You know, repoing stuff with you know thirty, fifty thousand dollar notes, you, 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 and they were talking about getting ten, fifteen thousand dollars for the vehicles. You make a good point. We haven't really talked about that yet. Uh, I mean, I, trucks and cars, <clears throat> both commercial vehicles like we buy, and autos went through that yeah. crazy price run up, and people were still buying things. And when those get foreclosed on, they are horrible losses. Yeah, you're right. That's going to, and the banks are already struggling because of the, the money supply. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, you know, I, I don't think they're reporting those losses yet. No, they're you not. Know, you're on right. the positive side, though, you know, this kind of chaos is great opportunities. It is. I mean, this is usually, yep. you know, when I have had my best years for growth, normally it's accidental because I've got, shit I can't sell, so I got to do something with it. <laughs> and employees are just easy to get right now. Well, right. You know, that, I, I posted some ads up on some stuff I was looking at doing, you know, to kind of diversify a little bit. And I was amazed at the amount of applications I was getting. And the attitude is much different than, you know, two years ago it was, I want the freaking moon and you're going to treat me like a god. And, yeah, right. You know, I want to work <laughs> eight in the morning till noon. And yeah. Pay me three grand a week. And, you and know, I want a new truck every two years. And kiss my ass. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's, oh, oh, I don't even want to go home. Just, you know, just, can I get some money? Just keep me working. I mean, it's, it's well, definitely different. Here's another sign. As much as we've, you know, claimed we've needed truck drivers for so long, for me to find articles about how companies refuse to hire the yellow drivers. That wouldn't have happened a couple of years ago. They would have taken them even if they didn't want them. Now they're saying, look, we don't want them. I don't know. It depends because if they're going to OTR companies, they got those weird rules where they want, you know, so many, they'll only count experience. If you oh, cross yeah. I, so many state lines within the last five years, which, which is, so they're, they're really, they've had, yeah, that, that, you know, that, that's not what's going on here. Yeah, I do know that that is part of it. Okay. But this is one where they're just saying they're they're openly admitting we won't hire them because they were union. I don't think I would hire them, not just because of that, but because they they made so much. Well, that's the point. And that, we're going to go into a time where. Right. Where, yeah. Everyone's going to take a pay cut. And I don't care if you're a truck driver or work at Walmart, everyone's in for a haircut in the near future. 
Yeah. And but, standing up and screaming that you need to pay us more <laughs> while everyone's looking at a haircut. It's not going to work. It, you know, it's, it's not going to lead. No, it's not going to lead to anything good. Right. Yeah. Not to name anyone. And, and but, here, here's something else. You know, it's it, just not a, a lot of people just can't comprehend this. It, it may not even be that your wages are cut. It may just be that inflation is going up higher than you're getting any raises. And in essence, it is being cut. Yeah, I've talked to people that were like in office environments and they came out upset in the last year because their increase was only like 4%. Right. You know, and they were like, but inflation is 9%, you know, so. Yeah, it doesn't work. It, but, it's like you know, taking like a pay said, cut. Yeah, and like you said with the banks, you know, where does the money come from? You know, all the way around, you know, and if I remember from looking at the depression or Great Depression, it, it wasn't horrible for everybody. If someone had a job or had a business or had something going on, they were usually able to do okay or do well. It was if you fell out of what you were doing, um, you couldn't find, you know, an opening anywhere. Right. So Now, on the Freaky Friday subject, though, since we haven't done that in a long time, yeah. I do have a solution to everything. Okay. You know, I think it solves so many problems. We just need to invade Canada and uh, free them from England. Good idea. And that'll be easy. I mean, to take. we would, you know, we could, they're, yeah, they're, and it'll fund the industrial military complex. You know, it'll create all sorts of revenue and money to clear. I mean, wars are great for the economy. Yeah. It'll fix your shipping issue. Yeah. It'll, it'll it, fix all the, uh, you know, the, the people jumping across the border. And this one will be I mean, easy. I, I think it'd be wonderful. Yeah, this one will be easy because, you know, the Canadians are so nice. All we have to do is we don't have to shoot them or anything. We just have to ask permission. Can we come in and invade your country? And if we ask nicely, they'll let us. They're really nice people. I mean, they, they already have our emissions laws. I mean, they already they have ELDs. They, most of them speak English. I mean, it, They're, you know, the French ones, you know, maybe we could deport them. I mean, it, it, it would work out. I think it would. I, I think we should we should adopt their money, though, because it's so much better looking than ours. I, you know, we could deflate our currency and just take theirs. Yeah, that'll work. We'll get I mean, on that's that. That's not a loony idea. No, not at all. We'll get right on that. That's all I got. I was just messing around today. All right, good stuff. It is Friday. We need to mess around a little. Let's uh, let's go to Tennessee. Tom, welcome to the program. Yeah, Joan. All right, I'll mess around a little bit, but this is true. Um, between on two there, between Stevens Pass, coming down from Stevens Pass to Leavenworth. Yeah. Um, I, there's a little town, Wins, Winston or something like that. I remember it's where the, where the highway goes from, from two lanes and then it splits and then, then the, all the trees and stuff are, are in the, um, median right there at the split there. It was, uh, before Christmas, probably four years ago. I don't know, early, uh, about mid, mid December and, uh, snowing like a bad dog. So 90 was closed, but for some reason it was still really bright out. I don't, I think that maybe the clouds broken was a full moon or something, but, um, <laughs> I never tell anybody this cause they were bigger. Bigfoot <laughs> walked across in front of me. Okay. <laughs> now it's probably, <laughs> it's probably a quarter of a mile. Okay. Now it might, no, I'm not saying it was Bigfoot to be honest it, with you. Cause it might've been a dude uh, in a Bigfoot suit. Okay. That was nine foot tall or 
it might have been um uh some kind of freaky bear that uh that had long arms and walked on its hind legs <laughs> I, i'm pretty i'm pretty sure it, it, it was sasquatch himself that that is like sasquatch sensitive right i i never i never believed in bigfoot you know what i mean and uh i was it scared me so much that um because i was gonna stop and like i'm like oh my god you should stop and take pictures because i know right where he walked and and like i say it was fresh now you know take pictures of uh of uh the tracks or something to get a little bit of proof and i'm like what (laughs) (laughs) there's no way i'm stopping you know what i mean i i I will tell you that trip across (laughs) to the trip onto across washington is pretty darn remote yeah, yeah, and uh, he didn't give a shit about me. Didn't even look my way. I'm a, like son of a bitch. There you go. Right. And uh, anyway, so there's my bigfoot story. Um, and then uh, my buddy went to Depot Bay uh, last week, and I forgot to mention the last time I called. But there's a little that little restaurant on Depot Bay that's on the ocean. Uh, it's not open all the time. I don't. I think at weird hours there, and there's no reservations. It's called Tidal Rave, R-A-V-E, Tidal, like a tidal wave, but Tidal Rave. He said, man, and the prices were fantastic, too. I mean, for an entree, it was, I think he said, $22. Um, and the chef is apparently from, is uh, like, um, had cooked at uh, Michelin restaurants before. I, 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 I drove past it a couple times and never stopped, and now I'm kicking myself. But uh, if you get back out to Depot Bayway, remember that tidal rave place. Yeah, I, I just looked it up there, uh, trying to figure out if I... Uh, I, you I see, you, you're like, oh, that's the one you're talking about. It's right on the little cliff right there overlooking where, yeah, the bay. The, yeah. You know what? We absolutely love Newport, which is just uh, barely a half hour south of that. Not even, South. Yeah, a little bit south. Yeah. The only reason we don't really care for spending a lot of time in Newport, they have a beautiful owner's RV park where you can own the lots in there. We almost bought one one time. Um, the RV park is right oh, nice. on the ocean, has its own beach own private beach that's kind of closed off from everybody else and it's a good sized beach beautiful place we love it the problem is we haven't found any damn good food and we're we're big on good food you know we take our own but it, it's nice when you're traveling to be able to go out once in a while and uh i so well, i'm gonna check this if place you, out wait, at the fish market yeah at the fish market there in in newport i mean men you can look across the street and they're taking the fish off the boat and you know by catch of the day is literally the catch of the day because it goes right in the back door of the of the uh, I mean, even the even the uh, the uh, fish and chips. If you get those, uh, they were it, they were literally swimming probably four hours ago. At the restaurant you're talking about, right th- down there on the wharf, the seafood restaurant. That is a good restaurant, it, it, but that's the only one. And we end up yeah, going to that one over and and. and yeah, I don't know yeah. if you've been there recently. Only one I know about. But lunch for two people is eighty bucks. No, it's, it's, it's stupid. Yeah, I know that's why this title rave, I mean, the reviews and stuff, um, they, they, they don't take reservations. So he almost left, and he's glad he didn't, but he had to wait like two and a half hours to get a, you know what I mean? So don't go in there 
thinking that you're going to, you know, it's not fast food. I mean, right. Maybe, you know, maybe right. the food came fast, but it's not, uh, you're the, not going to uh, be in and out. The menu looks know? amazing. So, uh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it has uh, really a lot of lot of different stuff, and uh, it does. the reviews, yeah. um, you know, yeah. So, so hey, anyway, I'll, keep that in mind. I'll give you another. Uh, give you another good place to eat down there. I think it's gonna be. Uh, it's on ninety nine, just just north of Junction City, so north of Eugene. Okay, and, and it's where ninety nine yeah. is running. It's only about two or three miles away from I five. Ninety nine parallels it, you know that. Um, and in that area, they're really yeah. close. So you get off I five, you jump over there to ninety nine. It's called uh, Junkyard Extreme, I think. It's a little burger place. It's been on diners. Drive-ins and dives, really good burgers. In what city? Um, just north of Junction what City, city? on uh, ninety-nine. Oh, just north of Junction City. Yeah. Okay. Junction okay, City. I'll, I'll is, tell my buddy he'll get, he'll get out that way. Junction City is where our coach is. The shop is in Junction City. That's why we're always down there. Every oh, time it's we way go down, down there. there. Yeah. Every time we go down there, we eat at this oh, place. Oh wow! Wow, is your coach going to get be ready? Who knows? I'm hoping they call me with <laughs> with an update today. They called me last week to tell me right. we can't get it done. We need two new inverters, a management system, and the est the time estimate they yeah. gave me is next Friday. And they they have always been really good Friday. about getting things out on time. So I'm assuming since they haven't called me or emailed me with any problems that it's going to be done. Right, because you got to be. When do you have to be in uh, in uh, in uh, Nashville? Uh, November first. Okay, so yeah, at least you know, at least give me a little heads up so I can buy the plane ticket, which I think you're gonna end up be doing. Um, you know, hopefully not. Um, I called about the economy, and so if you remember back, probably it's probably been three years or so. When when Biden started and this administration started doing all this crazy shit and you know we were sort of trying to figure it out and then I said you know it, it's it, Occam's Razor says that they're just trying to try to ruin this economy and and uh, crash this uh, ruin this country and just start all over and I, you know I don't see I don't see that changing the the the. Everything they do, they're so they now they're building a little bit of wall, and then now they now they finally um, they, they they closed the barn doors after the cows were loose by <clears throat> raising the um, uh, interest rates, you know. But that was, the, 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 you know, the eagle, the you know the uh, the chicken flew the coop already, you know. Yeah. So I'm not so sure that these people aren't uh, aren't just. Uh, communists and evil from you know and just trying to just everything everything that's going on points to what we all want to refer to as conspiracy theories but they're really not it's the truth of what's happening and when you look at it it, the only conclusion you can come to they're not this ignorant they're just not Uh, they they no they can't be right they're not 
They know what they're doing. They blatantly lie right to our face. And and no matter how many times yeah. you point out all the stuff they're doing and ask, why would you do this now? This doesn't make sense. They just ignore you and keep doing what they're doing. So at some point, I, you right. kind of M- have to give along. in and Nothing say, here. this is all planned. And, and it's not a good plan. Yeah. There, no, there is something happening here that's not good they're they're not they're not stupid people no you know to to say you know uh you say a lot of things about them but uh they're you know everything from uh mark elias with uh, the way he treated the last election and um and uh you know well biden's a figurehead it's it's uh you know uh, exactly people pulling the strings it, just just everything about Biden. Come on. How, how did the guy get elected president? He was hiding yeah. in his basement. He can't put two sentences together without some sort of a gaffe. Um, it, it, at this point, yeah. it, I have to believe they're drugging him for the few appearances that he does make, and he can barely make it through You those. know he's getting right. You know, you know he's getting slammed in the ass with, with some course. kind of methamphetamine or some amphetamine or something they're, right they're, before he has to make a speech or something. They're, they're, they're <laughs> doping brutal. him up on all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, and so you know, what will happen is he'll get the nomination. He'll run through there. The the um uh and it won't be till after the next um um it'll be next September when he steps down after their convention he's got to go through the convention and then he'll step down and then their delegates or what super delegates whatever they call them at that point will come in and uh, appoint Big Mike but uh, uh, that's the only way they can get rid of uh, Kamala too you know and so I I think Newsom will probably be the vice president. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm gonna cut you, cut you loose. I've got to get the uh, the co-host in here for the second hour of the show. Alec, you're first up today. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? I, I'm doing wonderful. We uh, are we going to talk about efficiency today, or are we just going to have fun? Or both. <laughs> well, to me, efficiency is fun. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, they right. go together. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Maybe we'll do well, both. Uh, um, I've got a couple ideas, um, and I know that you're a numbers guy and an accounting guy. And since Q3 is over, putting numbers and efficiency together might be fun, at least to us. I like that. I, I like that. I, clearly, um, if there was ever a time that we could really point out how beneficial and important it is to be efficient in your business. Now would be the time, right? I mean, I, I can't think of a time in the almost 40 years I've been doing this that, that it's been like it is right now. I've never seen anything quite like this. And not only that, the solutions are readily available now. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's a really good time. And just for grins, uh, I had a, uh, a former friend slash acquaintance from Landstar who, who retired from driving and is now fancying himself as a business consultant. And he was saying, oh, my God, you cannot afford new trucks. And so all he did, <laughs> you're going to love this. All he did was take the purchase price of the truck divided by five to get the truck payment. And huh? that was his basis for, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're struggling with that, aren't you? <laughs> <I'm> really? <laughs> you, just, you just hurt my brain. What? 
<laughs> well, that's what I said. And I challenged him on it. And I said, you know, you haven't even scratched the surface. And because I was challenging him, he kicked me out of his group. So, and uh, it's probably for the best. Yeah, that, that's pretty common. <laughs> Let me give you an interesting scenario. I was just working with somebody on recently who may be an excellent candidate for a brand new truck. That's not the way I'm directing him, but this would be a case where I could easily make mm-hmm. an argument for the numbers. So he's actually doing well. Yeah. He's got good freight. He didn't even want to talk about what kind of freight it was. It's actually something a little out of the ordinary, I think. And his rates are excellent. Um, one of the things that happens when your rates are really good is you can get lazy on expenses. And, and I'll give you the best example of this. Sure. The FedEx contractors, I dealt with those guys for decades. I did their taxes. I I knew them well as personal friends, and they honestly did not put much effort into controlling expenses because they didn't have to. They could buy new trucks every two years. The team Mm -hmm. runs, the big high mileage team runs, and there's a lot of those over there. Right. Uh, They would buy new trucks every two years because they put so many miles on them. They didn't really care about speed or specs or fuel mileage or maintenance or anything. The the revenue was good enough that they and they were still making money and adding trucks and growing their business. Um, But I used to look at them and go, but it's not that hard and you could have even more profit. You, You don't have to work that hard at this and you could have more. Um, that's kind of the case with this guy, I think. His revenue's been so good. So here was the scenario he presented to me. He's got two trucks, and he doesn't really need two trucks. One of them is kind of a spare. And we went through the mm-hmm. numbers, and I'm like, oh. so one of the trucks is a, a older 379. I think it was an 07, um, 379, getting 5.3 miles to the gallon. I, I just, it hurts Ouch. when, I know, it just hurts when I hear that. And fuel is four fifty a gallon, and nobody even seems to be paying attention to that. Nobody's really talking about it much. In the past, when we were at four fifty a gallon, and it's, it's going higher. Anybody, yeah, it's all anybody talked about. But now this time, it seems right. like, oh, yeah, it's fuel, big deal. Um, his other truck was a 2014, but it's obviously specced poorly because it's only getting 6.3. And... Uh, mm. I went through the numbers and I said, we should just get rid of both of these and go get a truck that gets eight and a half and look at what would happen to your numbers. The shocking thing to me was I'm worried about this 379. It's an 07 horrible year for trucks. It's got a million three on it. It does have a new engine with a hundred thousand miles. But he, I said, hope he still owes 30,000 on that truck. And he owes money on the other truck, too. Neither one mm. of them are paid for. I, I said, oh, yeah, I said, hopefully. And here's how out of touch I am with 379 pricing. I'm all over truck pricing. I watch it all the time. When I said, I hope you can get what you owe out of it. He said, oh, hell, I could get 100,000 out of this truck. Uh, really? If you can, you better hang oh, up wh- the phone wow. and go get it right now. Yeah. Yeah, just get off the phone yeah, and go I'm sell kidding. that thing then. And, and you know, then we looked at should we right. keep the 2014 and try to get better fuel economy out of it. But this is a case where I could easily, with numbers, say, let's just go buy a brand new truck that's going to get nine and a half. And now watch what happens to your numbers. Right. Exactly. So I just took a very easy 
not quite back of the envelope, but let me enlist your help on this one. Sure. What's uh, the depreciation on a, on a new truck? How many years? Um, happens in four tax years. If you don't take the 179. Yeah, yeah. It happens in four tax years. So here's how it works. The year you buy it, I'm going to simplify. This isn't exactly correct, but it's close enough. The year you buy it, you're going to get a half a year of depreciation. The second and third year, you'll get Mm -hmm. a full year. And the fourth year, you'll get the half that you didn't get on the first year. They call it a three-year schedule, but it takes four tax returns to get all of your depreciation. Okay. And that's really good info. So if hypothetically somebody bought a new truck in December... They get six months of that particular year. Correct. You know, so that helps them with the down payment money, if, if, for lack of a better way to describe it. Right. And so I just put in my little spreadsheet to simplify. I just put in thirty three percent just works. to get a rough idea. That, that works. Yeah. Uh, so and then, what do you think I should use for an incremental marginal tax rate for that next dollar of income? Uh, I always use. Uh, are we talking about both business and personal, or just personal? Um, well, yeah, that all depends how they have it set. Right. I guess, uh, it would have to be like, uh, if you're a sole proprietor, like an owner operator right? and okay. you file right. a schedule C. So I yeah. always consider in that scenario, I 30%, you've got 15%. Okay. I used, you know, uh, we could call it yeah. 25. Maybe you've got 15% right yeah. off the top for social security and Medicare. I mean, that, that one you can't avoid. Um, mm-hmm. And then it, right. it, you're probably going to be in the 10 to 15% marginal rate personally. Mm-hmm. So 20 So, okay. So, okay. I think that it could be a little bit higher, but I'll play 25 to be conservative. So here's what I did. Um, and what do you think a owner operator can get a, in today's interest laden market, what do you think is a good commercial interest rate? Boy, I would think um, I would think it'd be tough to get anything under eight. You, I think you'd have to have really, really I agree. good I credit use, to uh, get under eight. Well, I don't even think you can get under and probably eight. down payment money. Yeah, right. Uh, I agree. I I use ten. Ten works. Yeah, just for shits and giggles. Yep. And I said, okay, let's finance this over five years and put zero money down. Okay. Just for shits and giggles yeah. to make this worst very conservative. Scenario. Yeah. And I used the per. Yeah, it can only get better from here. Right. So if you say, all right, 0% down, which you can't even do. And if we used a purchase price of 225, okay, okay. again, I'm making this a bad business yeah. case. Right. Yep. And, and if you use, I, being selfish, I use purple haze because everybody says that, oh, you know, I can't get this fuel economy, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, you can. I'll be darned it. We, we get, we, we always go downwind. We always get lightweight. We always go downhill and Travis, God bless him. He's he's equally as good as Joel. So it's not like, Hey, Joel is just a, I mean, he is, but it's not that he's a super duper trucker and only he can get that kind of fuel economy. So let's just take that off the table. And so when you crunch these numbers, if you take the purchase price, you know, of 225, zero down payment gives you a $225,000 principal loan amount at a 10% interest rate, financed over five years, your payment is 4781. 
add back depreciation at uh, 33% and the marginal tax rate of 25%, that gives you a credit of 1547. So your net, your after-tax equivalent payment, if you will, is 3200 bucks. We got to fix something here, though. I, I, let me think this through because okay. I think mm-hmm. we're overstating mm-hmm. this. Um, the depreciation okay. is what creates the tax savings. So I think in your calculation, you're doubling Well, part it of it, yes. The, the amount well, of depreciation. I'm not doing it twice. Oh, no. Okay. I just want to yes. make sure you're not. I wasn't sure yeah. the way you said that. Yeah, no, no. Okay. You, you're right. No. Okay. You're, you're right. So 33% of the purchase price is $74,000. There you go. Then you've applied the tax bracket to that number. Correct. But otherwise, Perfect. I may have said it quickly, but okay. you're absolutely right. You okay. can't double dip that. Yeah, from the way you, you said it, I thought we were getting 50-some percent. Yeah. That'd be nice, but that's not the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe if we work hard, harder at this, we can come up with, you right. know, we can figure out how to capture that. There you go. Um, <laughs> so, so then I added back our fuel savings from Purple Haze there you that go. we actually right. receive. And compared to a seven mile per gallon truck, um, of course, it would be higher than that if you, you know, if you're back at the six and a half or five and a half or whatever yeah, the exactly. number is. But right. using... Our our fuel savings using our daily telematics data from September is 10.837 miles per gallon. So if you take that, you know, uh, what we're saving compared to a truck that gets seven miles per gallon, that's thirty, just under $3,200 per month right. in fuel. So our net monthly payment, you, you ready for this? Yeah. Well, that's a stretch. Come on now. $39. Where am I going to find that? $39. That's hilarious. Hey, you you were just talking about having a really nice meal down 97. (laughs) Down where the coach is. You know what? Yeah. Look, don't go for dessert. Exactly. There you (laughs) You go. There you go. That's that's an an awesome number. Yeah, and and what and here you know, and I'm going to bring uh, Joel in anyway. I don't know why I left him sitting there. Um, I'm sure he's been screaming at his phone the whole time. Joel, good morning. <laughs> See, you left me sitting here because this is exactly why I have Alec on the <laughs> I'm not. I am not the numbers guy to do that. I'm the spec guy, so I I just you know let him do his thing and. And uh, there we go. So, but no, the numbers are pretty. That's pretty cool when you work work through those and it and is. figure figure it out. Now, it, it's it, you're almost to the point where you can't afford not to step into a new truck. I mean, we're we're getting the the fuel efficiency to that point. It's really really hard to ignore it with numbers like Alec just presented. You know, if we take that and apply it to this guy, I, I've had several calls with him and. Um, we're working through different options. And- I, that, Kevin, Kevin, that's the one I pulled my hair out on. He should be in an iTorque 6x2. He would be kicking ass. The truck would be fun to drive. He would be at 10 mile a gallon without even trying. Right. And he's screwing around with these damn Cummins that have goofy-ass gear ratios that are just killing him with his lightweight freight because he's got all that parasitic drag. And the more parasitic drag you have, the, the bigger the impact is on your lightweight freight as far as to the negative side. 
because you just don't have any weight to, to overcome that drag working Good for point. you. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he should, he should, he should be in an eye torque six by two and he'd be loving life. That's yeah. And instead he, he's got that, the Cummins and that three seventy nine getting 5.3 miles to the gallon. Oh my gosh. You know, it, mm. and, and you know what, unfortunately, and, and this is, kind of sad to say I, i'm glad for him though he could probably sell that for a hundred grand too there will be some cowboy that will be like holy jesus it's a great seven to nine and he'll snap that thing up and and um you know he he should do that he should take that damn t660 with the commons and boot it and go to his yeah. Volvo dealer and and get happy, get happy you know, and profitable. You know, the good news about that call, most of the time when I have these really frustrating calls, I'm frustrated because I can't find a solution for somebody. You know, they've made so many mistakes. Mm-hmm. They've taken so long to address the mistakes that it's challenging to even find a way out for them, especially when we're heading into this environment. The good news about this call, it was a little mm-hmm. frustrating in the beginning, but boy, we got great solutions for this mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, there's multiple different ways he can go. Um, obviously, I'm I'm going to push him towards an iTorque six by two. Yeah, uh, you know the, and, and it's just not me putting up these types of numbers anymore. I've got multiple guys out there right. doing it. They're pulling Conestogas. They're pulling dry vans. They're pulling flat. Jamie Hagen just you know ran some some John Deere tractors out of uh, North Dakota down to Virginia at like nine miles a gallon. Yeah, um, on an open deck. Right. Uh, so. I, I mean, this is the real deal. There is absolutely no doubt about it. Um, you know, Freightliners banging at our door. Um, both these engines are downsped designs. They they don't require you to do anything. Just go buy it and run it, and you How will get that mileage. How long have we been waiting for that? Um, just it's been a long, long time. I'll tell you, I got invited to go back over to um, Sweden. I'm going to work with the uh, advanced engineering people on some of the ship logic to further refine it and to, uh, to, you know, bump up our game even more. Um, Outstanding. I- I'm sure Freightliner's working on some things to, to bump up their game a little bit. And I, I really think the downsped designs, you know, with the engine architecture that we, we like to talk about, it, it is definitely the way to go. Uh, Volvo and Freightliner both have it nailed down. We're still waiting to see how the Navistar engine is going to work out. I know I'll take heat on this, but I wouldn't touch a Cummins and I wouldn't touch a Packard for all the money in the world. They couldn't give me one at this point. I've taken all um, the as heat. As well as these things are doing. <laughs> for <Yeah>. the last, <laughs> I've taken heat over the ISX since it's been out. Even the non-emission version yep. of that engine, I did not like. I thought it was way overcomplicated. Um, there wasn't really anything mm-hmm. about that engine I liked. Um, when the pack car came out, I was—I thought I was kind of excited about it until you taught me about engine architecture, and I realized, no, that one doesn't have any real potential either. Um, and, you know, we still have the diehard Cummins people that, that you know, think that we're dealing with Cummins from 40 years ago. That's not the case anymore. Right. I, I, there was a time I loved Cummins. No. They were great engines. The big it, Cam it, 400 at the time an was out. an awesome engine. The N14, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what a fantastic engine that was for the time. Um, you know, you could mm-hmm. do a lot with that engine. It was yeah. very, very cost-effective to own an N14. They were simple, easy to work on, cheap. They got 
decent fuel economy lasted forever. So when you look at this, here's what happened. Uh, we all know the story with Freightliner. They spent about a billion dollars developed in the DD platform, and they've done a hell of a good job, and it's reflected in that engine architecture. You know, the, the design of the crank and the rod length, and, you know, we're not, we're not thrust-loading pistons. Volvo, <laughs> when we went from D12 to D13, we've done the similar thing. Didn't spend quite as much money, but, you know, we've got a very, very good platform to work with. Got the engine architecture right for downspeeding. Cummins is very long in the tooth with the X15. That is essentially the ISX still. There has been no right. fundamental changes to that. It is the quintessential American design with the shorter, the shorter rods and the long stroke and a lot of thrust loading on the piston. They have done a lot of clever things to make that engine competitive. But it's, you know, the, the architecture, in my opinion, limits that engine, and it is very long in the tooth. The same thing with this Packard engine. It is not a clean sheet of paper design. It is an older engine that has that same style architecture that thrust loads pistons, and you get that variation in piston speed through the stroke. It is not a downsped design, although they work at trying to downspeed it. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why they hold on to these older designs, and then they're going to try and yeah, run them right. at low RPM. I, I think, I personally think this stuff's going to blow up in their face. I think there was a clear advantage with the Volvo and the Detroit. Um, you, you the know international that that I think Cummins yeah. made and continues to make all of their effort on mm -hmm. natural gas. I, they, you know, they, they've got this uh, fuel agnostic program where they're doing a little bit of everything because they don't know which way to go. That's what it's um, like. They're in hydrogen, they're in natural gas, yeah. they're in gasoline, they're in diesel fuel. They, and that's exactly, that is their strategy to be fuel agnostic. They want to be able to do everything and anything. So, so you know, what um, I, all I can think of. And if you can do of, it well, I guess, I guess it's okay. <laughs> you know, all I can think of, though. Um, is the phrase jack of all trades and master of none. Yes. And, and the way I, the way I exactly. want to spec a truck is as, let's even use the word specific. I want to spec that truck yes. as specific as I can for the job it's going to do. Yes. And people will say, oh, but, but, yes. but things change and you're not going to be able to pull that freight forever. And so, okay, if it changes drastically enough, I'll just go buy another truck. There's lots of them out there. Well, and, and the other thing is, is what we're learning that the, the downsped architecture brings it, us a boatload of adaptability when we couple these that. new transmissions to them. Correct. So, right. yeah, we can do just about any on-highway application that you can imagine with with the Volvo and the Freightliner and, and potentially the International, too. I, I just, you know... Cummins has got this old design. They chose not to update, and they're putting all this money to figure out how to burn all these different fuels into a design that they're obviously comfortable with. I'm Must personally be. not sure why. I, I talked to a bunch of people that are involved with Cummins, some of these guys that are in these think tanks that do some work for them, and they're, they're just brilliant people. And some of them are scratching their heads as well. Yeah. Um, they can make very they can they can make very good arguments on paper for some of this stuff. 
Um, but the bottom line is the architecture is what it is. Uh, there's no amount of, you know, fancy dancy, um, you, you know, tuning and programming that's going to overcome that base architecture. I, I don't care what you do to it. You, you put manifolds, turbos, tune it. You can do everything you want, but you cannot overcome that base architecture. Just can't do it. Uh, exactly why Detroit moved away from the 60 series and went to the DD platform. Right. Uh, because there's in, inherent advantages in that, in that longer rod, shorter stroke design, uh, as far as, uh, downspeeding goes. So Good yeah, the, uh, hey. you tying us all back to the gentleman you were talking about with the, with the trucks, man, it just, his, operation what little i could learn from what he was telling you sounds like it is just custom built for a six by two i tour and he's in good financial shape he, he's not struggling he's got, yeah he's got yeah. good relationships yep. good freight good revenue now is the time for him to make that change because seriously everybody's freight right now is at risk I don't care who you are. I don't care how good you no, think your yeah, relationship yeah. is. Everybody's freight is at yeah. risk going into a time like this. And the I think the only Absolutely. thing that's saving him is his freight. We, right now, yeah, because of the equipment he's got. The, you know, if somebody would happen to come in and put some pressure on him, he's going to have a very difficult time with the, with the trucks that he's running. Hey, no Joel, doubt. do you have a, an external speaker on in the background? I do not. We're getting a weird feedback and it's only on your line. When I talk, I'm hearing myself come back through your mic. Do you have a headset on? I hear it as Hold well. On. It sounds like a radio speaker. Um, Trav's got a headset running over on his side. He may have to shut that off. Yeah, what's happening happening is it's coming out of the speakers on that headset and going right back into the mic. All right. Is that any better? Let me check. Yep, that fixed it. It's gone. It is on my end. Okay. That's gone. All righty. Nope. It's it's back. Nope, it's back. Yeah, we don't have anything else on in the truck. Everything's off. Yeah, it doesn't echo when you talk. It echoes when I talk. I yeah, just, everybody sounds good on my end. So. I ju- yeah, I just so, heard every. You know what? Let, let's do this for a second, Joel. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna put you back in the queue, and we're gonna see if we can figure that out because it, it almost feels like it's getting worse. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna put you in the queue, um, Lisa. If you could try to figure out. I don't want to try to figure it out on the air. Um, I'm going to grab some calls because the calls are piling up on us. So we need to knock some of those out. Uh, Let's go to Pennsylvania. Ken, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Um, I was, I was hoping to call in on a Wednesday as busy and crazy as things have been in the trucking industry. It just hasn't been the right time lately, but that's all right. um, It's a free for all. And I don't want and I, and that's what you said, and that's why I called in, and I had good conversation with your wonderful wife, Lisa, and uh, I give her enough information for you to do some research. We talked about some of the best freaking pork that I have ever eaten in my life. We transitioned from grass-fed and grass-finished beef for a lot of reasons, cost, uh, danger, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, just, just a, a wide variety of things. My wife was looking for the best of the best. Okay. In an alternative meat. 
and she stumbled across a lard hog that is almost extinct. It's 5,000 years old, and we butchered our first three barrows here this fall with the balance of our, our beef, Okay, and we were able to compare side by side, um, actually put it on the plate, look at it, observe it. This this pork, uh, it's been a long time since I've been able to buy good, tasteful pork. Yeah, This pork, if you pull a pork chop out and you look at it, it it compares with your Wagyu and your Kobe oh, beef. Nice. nice. And maybe even better. The what, best what breed is it? Ribeye, it's Mason. I haven't heard of that one. And I get, well, it's 5,000 years old. It, it comes from over in Asia. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a Chinese breed. It's 5,000 years old. And they're about, they're on the, the endangered species list. And I think there's only 800 to date registered in the United States. Wow. I'm not sure, but I think that's about the number. And, and we've got 20 of them on the farm. We just we just butchered our first round. And Kevin, I've been I've been freaking wondering when I was going to be able to call in because you have a farm right next to you. I mean, you got to try some of this stuff. The fat on the on a pork chop. Oh my God, it's to die for. I agree. We butchered we butchered three barrows and. In comparison, if I took three to five 13-gallon kitchen bags and filled them halfway up, enough to get on a shelf of a big stand-up freezer, we ended up with six bags like that. It fills wow. the, um, the shelf with two bags side-by-side. Side. And I'll tell you what, I, I have a... Uh, I, uh, one of them griddles, uh, that, you know, a propane griddle. Yeah. And I like just throwing the chunks of fat on there and sizzling them up. It's so freaking good. It's unbelievable. But I I had to pass that information on. I believe Lisa kept notes. I, I I don't want to kill our Friday with this discussion, but I I just had to call in and have a little bit of a discussion about it. Because people that can uh, seek out this breed, um, they it's worth every moment of their research do you, to. Do you know anybody right now? Get a couple of pork chops that's selling it direct. Like, could I go order this from somebody right now? Do you know of anybody? Yeah, the biggest thing, Kevin. You know, like in the health, we want to stay away from the. You know these big, big pharmaceuticals oh, and right. all this yeah. getting getting caught up in this health network. Well, the USDA is kind of the same, but there's a farm not far from you. They're raising the same pork that we're raising. They're doing very well because they're they're focusing on the niche market to provide quality uh, pork to the local restaurants, the higher end restaurants. Uh, and, and and this is you, the quality I'm talking about. Do you know the name of the farm? And well, Lisa mentioned it. Okay. And I did okay. try to bring it up. I did try to do a search and bring it up on my iPad, but I, the internet was sketchy, and I couldn't bring it up quickly enough. But Mayshawn, um, 
has a, a uh, they have a website that you gives you all that? the details on there. It's M E I S H A N. Mayshan Pigs. And they are, I'll tell you what, we're dog lovers, and my German Shepherds are very smart. But these, do- these docile, I'll go out to feed, feed the sows. They are, they're like a dog. They're like a black lab, man. Uh, I have to go out and shake them on the shoulder. Come on, Stella, wake up. Oh, really? Wake up. And, and you got You have to entice them to come over. They are the best breed. Uh, I am so happy we made the switch. But I, I wanted to kind of spread the, the word a little bit because it is so unique. And um, by the way, great job you and Lisa buying that farm. I, I love it. I looked at it. It's beautiful. Uh, you, know, you, you guys, you guys, you're going to, you're going to love it. it, it um, it's perfect for us. So, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you, I've been listening, you know, and I, hearing all the stories about the chickens and the eggs and all that stuff. You, you just, there's nothing better. You're going to be able to pick and choose the little things you want to deal with. Uh, but yeah, hey, I, between I, the turkeys, I, I just found one of these farms in Oregon that, uh, that raises these pigs and it's right down by where we got to go to pick up the coach. And that's why I'm calling you. Yeah. It's you right got to get it's right over on the coast over there. Huh? Yeah. You got to get a sample pack off of them. They are doing very well. They got into it a little bit sooner than Susie and I, um, my wife and I, um, so they're a little bit more settled and established with their, with their herd of, uh, boars and sows to produce the piglets. I mean, these things, these things have piglets, 14, 16 upwards. The highest was like 28 piglets in one farrowing. You know what else is interesting uh, the, the, about this farm? They they do chickens, what? rabbits, pigs, and goats, and on every one of them, they yes. have like these really almost like exotic varieties. Exactly, and and you know you know our program has been seeking out these old heritage breeds that have been on the face of the earth for you know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. And when we got into this, we got hooked up with the president of the Mayshawn uh, Breeders Association. And that, that gal fixed us up. I went on, I did a tour of her farm. Um, just unbelievable. And I couldn't wait another day to at least give you enough information to seek that farm out because I know they're doing very well. They're doing it right. And I would kick myself in the ass if I didn't spread the word for you guys, because I I know, uh, I know, I know you're always seeking out that kind of stuff, but when you get a chance and you get a little bit of that Mayshawn pork off of them. Oh, look at this. I, they actually sell luau pigs for $8 a pound. Yep. I could buy a whole pig. Yep. Yeah. Man, <laughs> it's time to do a whole pig. All right. Uh, we got to move on. Ken, thank you. I appreciate it. This is quite can a I, Can I say? Yeah, can go I, ahead. Can I say one more thing? Yep. 
Thank you, Matt. I wanted to thank Matt. I was listening to him very carefully, and uh, I looked on my uh, my fueling locator as of today, not tomorrow. Ninety cents in Pennsylvania is my discount. Wow! Wow! Fuel prices are crazy right now. They're all over the board. Nine. 90 cents. So Excellent. thank you, Matt. Appreciate you, buddy. There you go. Good stuff. Hey, hey Ken, we'll, we'll, call, we'll, call back next week on Wednesday. That'll be ideal. We'll talk more about pigs. And this this farm also has a crazy breed of rabbits and goats. And looks like uh, I need to get down there. Let's get Joel back and see if we've got uh, his audio fixed. Joel? Working any better? Let me check as it happens when I talk. Nope, still doing it. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> well, I can disconnect headset and try and reconnect it. I'm almost wondering, is your headset itself turned up really loud in your ears? Mm, I can turn the volume down. Turn it down and see if it gets better. Sometimes that's what it is. It's actually so loud that it's coming back into your mic. Did you turn right, it down? How's that? I think that fixed yes, it. Yes, I did. Let me, you don't say ah. anything for a second. Let me talk and with silence. And I think you did. That's what it was. You just had the volume up too high. All righty. So as long as awesome. you can still hear us. Okay. We're good. Yeah, I'm good. All right. Excellent. We're going to bring, I think him. it's the voices in his head. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes Joel's voice is in my head. <laughs> That's not good. Wow. <laughs> Henry, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Good. We're talking about pigs. Do you have any knowledge of pigs? Well, we've been having some problems in my neighborhood with javelinas digging up everybody's yard. Wait a minute. Where do you live? Oh, there you go. Laredo, Texas. Oh. Why did? It, when did you move to Texas? Like five years ago. Holy cow! I did well. I still didn't realize that Laredo had javelinas. I thought those were only in Arizona. No, we got a lot of them. Huh? Does anybody shoot them and eat them? They do out at the different farms. We'd like to in the neighborhood because they're tearing up everybody's yards. Yeah, uh, you know. Are they grass fed? They're everything yeah, fed. Yeah, on people's Yeah, they'll be they'll be tearing up everything. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm you know I, I'm pretty sure that um, a 22 would be safe within the neighborhood. Well, they're, they're uh, going after the people where there's dead spots where there's grubs. Yeah, and they skipped over my yard because I didn't have grubs. Well, that's good. Yeah, I, you know it. It seems to me like. There's some sort of an opportunity here with the the whole wild pig javelina thing. It seems like they multiply like crazy every year. There's more and more. Why aren't we eating more of these things? I don't know, but we're having problems with uh, raccoons as well in the backyard in our pond and tearing up stuff and they flipped over our turtle. So since you brought up farms, I'm going to throw a question out and see if anybody can help me. Um, here's the scenario. So since I've been over there collecting the eggs from the chickens every day, they, they lay eggs throughout the day. So rather than make multiple trips back and forth to get eggs, I decided I'll, and you don't want them to go back in and lay on them. Cause then you have to kind of chase them off. So every time I see an egg in there, I just grab it and I would set it 
right outside the coop on a, um, like a whiskey barrel, wine barrel. I've got one sitting right there and I would set it on top. And then when I saw some others, I'd set them on top. When I had all the eggs for the day, I'd take them back to the house. Twice now, I've had eggs on the top of that barrel and they just disappear. What's the most likely thing that's stealing six and seven eggs at a time? Twice I had seven eggs up there and they all disappeared, all seven of them. What could be getting the eggs like that that fast without me noticing it? Because it's daytime, I'm wandering around, I don't know how I'm missing this. I don't know, but you got some sort of critter. Yeah, I thought raccoon. A raccoon would have to make like seven trips to do it. That doesn't seem likely. Then I thought about birds, but I well, know birds of prey. Wait, and, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. There's probably more than one raccoon. Oh, I didn't think about that. A whole gang of raccoons. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. You're probably feeding the whole family there. Like like the MS-13 I'm of thinking raccoons. it's Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Now, that might actually make sense. We were just talking about that. This is Sasquatch Central here in the Pacific Northwest. That's what's going on. All right. You got got the river right there. I mean, it doesn't have to go very far. And and now that you got the farm, he's looking for some pork. That's what it is. All right. I think we solved it. It's Sasquatch. All right, we we have got to get to phone calls because I tell you, they are piling up on. I don't know what's going on today. Um, We're going to have fun, though, because all of us are going to have to answer every question we get, no matter what it's about. Okay. All right. So here we go. We're going to start off in Indiana. Carl, it is your lucky day. You have four of us here to help you today. What's on your mind? (laughs) Well, I'm already in Ohio now. Well, there you go. But uh, no, I was uh, calling to calling to find. I've been looking for a new job, and uh, needless to say, the company I'm with is uh, they're not treating their drivers or other employees very well. So I'm like, it's time to get out of here. And I keep looking up online for you know another driving job, and almost every time it's just like fill out the application. They don't tell you very much about the, how they operate or, you know, what kind of equipment they're just like, here's a few little things. And I'm like, how does anyone find a job anymore these days? Ooh. So this is an interesting topic. How long have you been driving? Uh, I'm going what? Nine years. Uh, I've been driving. Okay. Uh, I've had my CDL any, since, uh, any accidents, 2014. Uh, I've, uh, been ran into, uh, another driver hit me in a parking lot and, uh, I had a patch of black ice, but I didn't need to get towed. That's about it. How long was the black ice incident? How long ago? Oh, not last winter, but the winter before. Okay. So here's why I find this call interesting. I've spent tens of thousands of hours on the air taking calls and questions. And I don't think I've ever had somebody ask me about getting a driving job other than somebody brand new in the industry that just wants to to learn a little more. But I've never had an experienced driver call me and and say that there's any kind of a problem getting a truck driving job. We used to say all the time how you can quit on Friday and have a new job on Monday. You could quit on Thursday and have a new job on Thursday. 
I mean, that, that's what this industry has been like. We had 100% turnover. And I used to say we might be the only industry that actually has a policy about rehiring people that quit. Lots and lots of trucking companies have policies. They will absolutely rehire you even if you quit. That's kind of crazy. But I think this is changing fast. I, I, uh, it's kind of interesting that I got a call like this. So uh, I got to think this one through. If anybody has any good ideas about finding a driving job, jump in because th- this isn't one I've ever had to answer before. All right. So, so to me, Kevin, especially if you have experience, and my experience had been in the past was to drive for a private carrier. Check out the private carrier. They, they just treat you so much differently than it does driving for a comp- trucking company. That is excellent advice. Um, I have talked about that in the past. I didn't think about that just now. Um, the pay is better. The conditions are better. The, the, the atmosphere is usually better because they're not trucking companies. They, they are manufacturers of something that use their own trucks to deliver stuff. And it really does change a lot. My guess is, though, those are always the, the high demand jobs in trucking. They're usually a little harder to get. Remember how hard it used to be to get a job at Walmart driving? Yeah, but it, it's not as much anymore. And but I have I, a friend that switched from being a poor hire character working for Walmart and could not be happier. I I have a feeling that's not going to be the case anymore. It's not going to be easy to get those jobs again. It's interesting that Walmart just started a program not long ago. They were having so much trouble recruiting drivers during the last couple of years. They started a program that they're training anybody who works at Walmart in any position to be a driver if you want. That I wasn't aware of. The, the other one that I've heard good things out of is Air Products and Lindy. Yeah, yeah, that might be a good. Private carrier is a good way to go. So it, it, I have a feeling those jobs are going to get harder to come by, but, but they'll, they're out there. And I think that's a good idea. Focus on them for a while. I, I think, Cody, no. Anybody else have any thoughts? Yeah, I wound up getting it. Yeah, yeah, I got a different take on this. Um, so, if you're an experienced driver, yeah, and you are a people person and you're good at developing relationships, um, I wouldn't be afraid of any of the mega carriers to tell you the truth because the quality of drivers tends to be pretty low. And when you walk in there with experience and if you can develop relationships, you know, with your dispatchers and stuff. Um, I, I think you could probably do quite well even at a even at a mega if you leverage your your experience in the right way at a at a carrier like that. And there is some some protection from the down economy in the megas, just like in the private carriers like a Walmart and whatnot. Um, probably a little easier to get in, and and they're more likely to survive a downturn than some of the small to mid sized fleets. So another way of looking at it, I guess. Yeah. Going in along with that, I'll never forget. I met somebody who'd been driving for Swift for 12 years and found their niche and couldn't have been happier. Yeah. As long as you just ignore all the, all the garbage, you know, that people talk about them and, and you do, you do what you do and, uh, you perform well, you, you'll do just fine at Omega. So, you know, they typically have decent benefits and, and, uh, 
I think you could do quite well there if, if you so choose. Yeah, that's a good take. Uh, you know, with, with with a downturn on the economy, on the private cares, I always leaned in towards anything to do with food. Yeah, you know, because food is is kind of recession proof. Yeah, a little bit. Hey, speaking of which, since this is Friday and we're allowed to talk about whatever we want, um, one other thing I want to run by you guys, um, all of you, because uh, this is kind of turning out to be the, the crew here now on the show, and I like it. I, I know our, our, our theme is trucking, you know, technology and efficiency, and we focus on fuel economy because you guys are so good at that. But look at the experience you have here on this call right now. I mean, just trucking experience for every topic ever so if it's okay with you guys i think you know fridays maybe we should just open it to any kind of trucking call there's a lot of experience here in a lot of different ways we can help people with just about everything yeah sure so we'll keep a focus on efficiency because we're we're really good at that but god i think about all the experience you guys all have in trucking in all kinds of areas um we we could help people with a lot of stuff. So, um, Carl, does that help at all? It helps out some. I I did file out an application for Azure Standard. Um, they're looking to throw a little bit wider net, get a few more drivers in to see if they you know all fit their you know yeah. what they're looking for or not. So I'm hoping on that one. But uh, my biggest problem right now is a lot of these companies they're only giving you one day of home time for each week and. Uh, you know, the wife wants me to be home a little bit more often yeah, rather than, you know, see me almost, you know, yeah, after two months at a time. So that's always a challenge. You know, I know we've been working with Azure on several projects and one of them is helping them find some drivers. Um, we've placed several drivers over there. They all seem to be very, very happy. So, and I don't mind doing all that consider, touch load stuff. Uh, it, it, Where are you located? I live down in Arizona. Arizona. Okay. All right. All right. I, I was hey, trying to think uh, um, of some mid-sized fleets that might be in your area. I think there's a really big fleet hey, Marty, in Arizona. Um, I can't remember the name of them, though. Yeah. <laughs> Out in Buckeye, Arizona. That's the one you're thinking of? I think that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> With the red and sometimes I, blue trucks? Yeah. I yeah. Think, I think yeah. that's the one I was I, thinking I think, Yeah. Yeah. But, Marty, um, I used to work for Walmart transportation briefly after I recovered from getting a kidney transplant. And I can tell you, they really treat their drivers, not just well, fantastic. They are considered a management position. Uh, I I can't say enough good things. The benefits are great. Um, And to your wife's concern, generally it's set up as a five day work week. Sometimes it's six. Uh, or six on, two off, or kind of a rolling schedule, whatever. It, it, but it, uh, if there's a, a fleet anywhere that emphasizes safety, my God, a pre-trip inspection includes inspecting every single lug nut on the truck. And they emphasize it. They they really practice what they preach. So yeah, I would really yeah. uh, suggest looking at that. And the target pay starting is one hundred and ten thousand dollars. So uh, to, to be able to get that, too. though, exactly. So if you have a distribution center, you know, anywhere near you, um, you know, that, that's worth considering. I know that uh, one hundred and eighty uh, miles away. 
I still wouldn't count it out. Uh, I've done driver training in one of their locations. And when I was there, I was just in awe of how well oiled a machine it was and how well and how happy the drivers that were there. It, it, it was incredible. All right. We, um, we have got to move along. Um, calls are piling up today. I don't know what's going on. Um, I might have to turn off the phones here in a second. Um, let's go. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, I'm going to try and stay on as long as I can. I'm packing for a pretty exciting trip. I got to take the truck out to headquarters in Portland and do a presentation next Wednesday. And then the real treat is an executive that has a CDL is running team with me over to Houston out of there because we have to have the truck at an open house on Friday. Nice. And we're hauling freight the whole time. So it's it's going to be good. Yeah, that's really good. Cool. All right. We'll wait to... uh get the report back on that one. Let's go to North Carolina. Randy, welcome. How you doing? Good. Hey, I like what Joel said on your niche. I, I work for a company that's got 3,000 drivers, and they make me feel like I'm number one, so there it's you pretty go. good. There you go. But what I, wanted, what I wanted to talk about was I'm driving a freight liner. Not that I like it, but I have to drive it. And... I've been getting 8.5 miles a gallon for 18,000 miles. So yesterday, I just, no hurry, I had plenty of time. So I acted like I was Joel, and I drove 55 miles an hour. You got <laughs> 9.5. There you I go. I pulled in a tanker, which drove to 73,000. Oh, that, nice. Got a full mile per gallon better. That's impressive. So the people that say it can't be done, they don't know what they're talking about, because it can be done, because I did it. And I, I'm going to tell you one thing. I've never seen nobody running 55. Nobody. So I, I'll, I'll go back. It's me yesterday. I said, what's on your truck? Say that again. Did somebody That's just. It's not me. Yeah. Did somebody just ask a question? I think, Henry, did you say something? Yeah, I did, and then my headset disconnected. I'm over here next to the Mexican border, so it's jumping in and out. Uh, I asked him if he knew what the specs were on his truck. No, I know. It's got a Detroit in it, and I don't know that we're... No, I don't. got a 12-speed okay. auto shoot. It's quality carriers. But, yep. I, I mean, you know, I've been driving it. i just driving like I sold it and get 8.5. So yesterday, I just oh, yeah. wanted to see what I could get. You know, when I, I don't remember what year this was, but it was one of those years that fuel jumped up over four dollars a gallon, which was always, you know, kind of a crisis point when you go over four. And it was all anybody was talking about. And on our website, they actually started the 54 mile per hour club. And, the, and they, they, their goal was to drive 54 oh, miles per hour. That's while. unsafe. <laughs> I know. People are just going to be decapitating themselves running into the back of you at that speed. I know. Uh, but oh that, that, that was a big thing back there. The 54-mile-per-hour club went on for a long time, and people were actually doing it. So just uh just a quick observation here on managing speed in relationship to weight. 
course, I take a lot of heat because everybody says I run light all the time. So the beginning of this week, we had, I think it was four loads. I had a load that came up from Orange, Texas to Norwalk, Ohio. That was 78,000 pounds. Then I delivered that load from Norwalk to Finley. Then we ran uh, three loads in Ohio, all around Ohio, making deliveries for Snyder. Everything was between 78 and 80,000 pounds. And when you averaged all that together, I was still over 10 miles a gallon. Um, it's pretty, pretty damn impressive. Uh, yeah, so the, you know, a lot of people are like, there's no way you can do that with heavy weight. And in the past it really wasn't possible to, to get those, that kind of mileage. But with today's downsped powertrains, you know, even at 80,000 pounds, I'm still expecting 10 miles a gallon. And if I'm not getting 10, I'm looking for the problem. Yeah. So, uh, definitely if you manage your speed and you leverage the benefits of the downsped powertrain, just like this driver has done, um, you can put up some very impressive numbers, numbers that were considered great for light loads just a few years ago. Yes, absolutely. I'm not a bit aerodynamic either with this thinker. It's a, it's just a small thermostat thinker for Freon, but it's, mm-hmm. it's about as aerodynamic as a brick. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I come out of Louisville, Kentucky, going to Greenville, South Carolina, through Lexington and Knoxville, and down through there, Asheville, and I averaged nine point five for the whole trip at fifty-five miles an hour. Excellent, excellent. But it yeah, takes me a little longer. Yeah, it, 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 this it, is yeah. where you really start start to understand the relationship of aerodynamic drag and parasitic drag, and yeah. and your piston speed, and how that impacts overall efficiency. When we can lower the the piston speed, and this is why this is so important, when we lower that piston speed and we're making more horsepower at lower piston speed, and this is kind of why the boost works backwards on the newer engines, you actually want to have that that boost up as long as the piston speed is low. That is efficiency. There's there's no way around that because we have less parasitic drag. That relationship between all the parasitic drags and, and, and your fuel efficiency and your fuel economy when you have the right engine architecture, it, it's pretty amazing the things that you can get done, you know, with a, we used to call it moment of inertia. So now we call it moment of fueling and moment of momentum. Um, you can reduce all of that moment of fueling and you get more moments of momentum and it just drives your fuel efficiency right off the chart. And, uh, you do that with a good base architecture on the engine like the Volvo has and like the Detroit has. Out of curiosity, are you driving the truck right now? Because it'd be real interesting to see inside your door jam, what the specs were on that. But I have a good feeling you probably have a 216 rear. Yeah, we had to move on. If he can find it and call back with it, that uh, I'd be interested. Hey, while we're talking about fuel economy and speed, I saw another number and I I wanted to bring it up uh, here because I I think it's a pretty interesting number. Somebody went through a lot of the autonomous data on the autonomous trucks that are running around pulling freight. I mean, the real stuff, they're out on the highway, they're pulling freight. There's a lot of it going on, more than most people realize. But what they came up with, that I I wasn't shocked by this number, sounds about right to me, Uh, but it also tells us there's an opportunity there. They're showing uh, an 11% increase in fuel economy over drivers. So so that 
almost that entire 11%. Now, this is my understanding. I have not been able to confirm this yet, but my understanding is that entire 11% is almost all idle savings. It's not really having anything to do with how the truck is being operated. Really? It is, it is idle savings. That, that is my understanding, and I've got to confirm that yet. But somebody that I know that's familiar with the data on that said it's, it's almost all an idle because obviously an autonomous truck doesn't need to idle, right? Well, that tells us something. 11% yeah, from because, yeah. That's huge. I would have never thought it was that much. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, Joel, when you, me, me, hmm? me and Joel know that there's no way a computer is going to drive a truck better than me and Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. maybe maybe, right. maybe Alec, but yeah. but not me and Joel. No, no, uh, I, no. And and here's here's the fallacy: is Joel because he's such a geek, he understands how the truck architecture works, his business speed, and managing momentum. There's no way a computer, and I agree with this. There is no way a computer is going to drive as efficiently as Joel or Travis. So that's. Point number one, because well, I look wait, at the data. Right, right. So I, I, I might push back on you. Here's what I would think. Okay. Because if you look at, at what we do with computers, all we would have to do is get Joel and Travis and anybody else that knows well, yeah. that and, and mimic what they and artificially do. And, right. yeah. and then the difference is mm-hmm. the computer will do it 100% of the time. Once the computer knows how, this it, is. It will do it 100% yes. of the time, which humans just never will. Well, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to take his... Sweden for. Oh, is it? And this, okay. They're going to also take his... Yeah. <laughs> they're going to take his picture and project a hologram into the driver's cab <laughs> and make it look like he's driving. And that should scare the shit out of anybody. <laughs> so, so basically what we're going to do is we're just going to clone Joel and Henry. We'll just clone them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. But on the other side of the thing is, uh, I'm looking at our September results here. Uh, for the whole month between both of these two drivers, we burned 7.2 gallons of fuel while idling. And that includes the time spent at a shipper and receiver doing dropping hooks and things like that. See, So 0.55% is right. the idle to driving fuel. So Joel, Pretty, when pretty darn low that that joel when you get a chance if you do get more access to these numbers um figure out what mm-hmm. what they compared it to to say we got 11 percent better 11 percent better than what and if it is all in mm-hmm. idle well, time whole, or most of it in idle time mm-hmm. that's got to be people doing an mm-hmm. awful lot of idling i mean look at your numbers oh, well, uh. it, it, it is. Right. So look, look at, at the industry typical average. Typical for a fleet is around fifty percent. For a fleet is that's that's about normal. Yeah, you're right. For a fleet, right. the average fifty yeah. percent idle time. You know, they think yeah. they're they're kicking it out of the ballpark if they're at twenty five percent. You know what I mean? And and fifteen percent they're yeah. throwing a party. Let's be realistic about this. There isn't uh, uh, there isn't fifty percent of the time that you should need to be idling. How do people idle fifty no. percent well, of the not. time? There's, there's, when, when are they idling so much, and why? So it's worse than Kevin. Kevin, I, I remember going to a fleet to help them with some driver training and fuel mileage issues, and I'm looking at the engine report, and the one was at seventy eight percent idle. I'm like, How is when that are possible? you working? Right. 
I'm like, <laughs> I had a guy in a fleet situation whose idle time was in that 70% range. And I rode with him and he, he just left the truck. And I didn't say anything. I was just watching everything that he done. And then I asked him, I said, well, why don't you shut the truck off? Because it takes more fuel to start the truck than oh, it does please. to idle. He just, t- t- are there That's people- what he told me. That's what so- he told me. So then all of the auto manufacturers who have gone to stop, start, at a stop sign. Yes. Yes. They're yes, wrong. They're yes. all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're yeah, in bed with the oil companies. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and, and they don't live in but the real world. I mean, I, I, I think yeah, company drivers, you know, I think with the fuel mileage the standards, fuel bill. if they do something else, we'll see stop start technology on trucks. It's coming. Yeah, I think I, I, I expect it's it coming. to. Yeah, I expect it to. They, they, they can do it now. The big hang up is, is if a car can push it out of the intersection. Oh. Ow. Hey, if an eighty thousand pound truck doesn't start in an intersection, <laughs> yeah, you you must have been saying something important. I think the oil companies just cut you off. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I think he's getting chased by a javelina. <laughs> Something's going on. Yeah. Ah, uh, all right. We better That's get funny. to some calls. Uh, let's see. This one sounds good. Let's go to Missouri. Joshua, welcome. Joshua, going once. Anybody there? Uh, I'd put you back in the queue, but we have an awful lot of calls, so if I don't hear from you, I'm probably just going to hang up on you. Going once. All right. Ah, you know what? I'm a nice guy. I'll put you back in the queue, see if we can save it. We might have time to get to it. Let's go to New York. Dylan, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Good. What can I help you with today? What Um, can we help you with? Yeah. Well, I have a, I have a question about, you know, a truck. I have your stop holding the steering wheel, so I don't think it's your ideal, but, uh, I just wanted to run a couple things by you and see what you think. All right. Um, the details. it's a 98, uh, 9,400 and 14, 435 horse. It's got the 10 speed, um, Rockwell. Okay. I'm not familiar with that transmission as much. Uh, it's got uh, 52,000 total, 12 on the fronts, 20 on the drives, uh, three, 390 gear ratio. It's got uh, just about 800,000 miles, a little short of 800,000 miles. Original? And right now, uh, original. Yeah. Have you verified uh, that? And the guy, oh. yeah, the, the guy has the book. Everything that it's 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 a company uh, truck that hasn't been used that much recently because they just they have newer trucks and uh, but there's a book uh, it's probably an inch thick of everything that's ever been done to it. Okay, this would and, be uh, it, it's been running. My my first piece of advice. Sorry, my first piece of advice because yep. that eight hundred thousand original is important. I would verify it with rig dig. Yep. it would only take couple minutes to run yes, a rig dig report. I have to We'd do be that. able to verify that. Um, how much do they want for this? Yep. Right now, he's at 10. And he didn't it, say, hey, and I'm not moving, just, I'm not budging. He said, I think it's fair. Just stop there, hang up the phone, and go buy this yep. thing. 
Go buy it. Yeah, <laughs> buy it. Just go buy it. <laughs> yeah. My God, this is a find. And I, the three nineties don't even scare me. Drive this truck at fifty five and watch how good a fuel economy you get out of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, the thing has to be inspected twice a year, so it's got all of that. Uh, the, you know, the safety inspections. He's got a, a uh, shut up. Probably and go not buy an it. MD, but he's got the alignment. Yeah, yeah. Go get it. You're wasting time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and and uh, all right. J- just for the fun of it, offer him ten five instead. Yeah, just, just so it's sold. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, negotiate a good deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Just just yeah. Just, just get in there yeah. with the cash and buy this thing. Yeah, okay. All right. You, you know, Kevin, it's funny talking. I'm thinking back on that other driver we're talking about, other than when they did a regen test on my truck, which didn't count. It was pretty abusive to the fuel mileage. On regular running, the worst fuel mileage that I've had with this truck under any condition, 8.2 mile to the gallon. Wow. I remember when 8.2 wow. would have been enviable to get to. Well, I remember when people would call yeah. me and telling me they were getting 8.2 at 70 miles an hour, and I'd call them liars. Yeah. What, what would be your ballpark mileage on this one? Uh, 55 to 60, I'll bet this could be an, an 8-mile-per-gallon truck. 8, yeah, okay. I think I think um, 60 is too fast for the 393. <laughs> I think <laughs> when... Um, Kevin, be. I think you were right. At fifty-five, you know, um, you know, it's not going to be a speeder, that's for sure. Right. But um, when okay. you get a deficient, you know, in its deficient zone, it should be uh, like you said, and especially and the aerodynamics here, when you slow this down is is kind of less of a consideration. Here's the other crazy the, the, the statistic. The good news is it should not slow down for nothing. Yeah. Right. Right. Here's here's another crazy statistic. Uh, this sounds like an N14 that has really been well taken care of, well maintained. All the records are there. I know of three N14s that made it very close to or over 2 million miles without being opened up. Those engines are just about you bulletproof. Know, the, the funny, here, here's the funny thing about N14. The N14 in my opinion, has much better engine architecture than the ISX does. I think so, When you too. look at the board-to-stroke yeah. ratio on the right. rod, yeah, it, it, it does. It just does. They've done a much better job on the I know. N14. They should have just modernized the <laughs> N14. But what they were looking to do, I think, they were looking to compete with Caterpillar, and Caterpillar had that really long, right. crazy stroke and the, the short rod as well. And guys love that feel underfoot when you have that, Long stroke on the crank and the short connecting rod gives yeah. you very fast acceleration away from top dead center. So it feels great. I mean, it feels like it's got a lot more power. It doesn't. It's just how it's applying that power. And it's that fast piston acceleration from top dead center. But the thing you got to remember is you got that great big bore. You got a lot of G-force and you're hitting the crankshaft that has very little journal overlap. So you're constantly, like Bruce talks about, having to replace the the damper and stuff because the crankshaft is a little wimpy they just are they don't have a lot of journal overlap so you get a lot of vibration through there and you've got to constantly be changing that that damper in order to control the vibration on them so there is some extra maintenance involved there but that n14 um 
if I had to run an older engine, I, that's where I would go. I, I would probably as, be an M14 guy. As much as I love hmm, okay. the Series 60, if I went back to build an older truck, a glider, I would be all over an M14. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Is, is there anything you would do right away? To it, I, yeah, actually, probably not. I mean, if if I was buying if I was buying a ten thousand dollar truck and it was is in good condition as you're describing, I would just run that damn thing slow and I'd make a bunch of money with it, to, and then I, decide what I wanted to do after I put some money in the bank with it. I think I'd make one okay. change. I mean, there's several that I would make that I just always make. It'd get an OPS that that kind of stuff I would absolutely do. But I think fuel mileage wise, yeah. the one thing I would do on this. Um, I would tune this one. This is where the tune really shines. You, you you may or may not pick up any fuel economy. You may pick up some. It's just going to make it very drivable. So a tune would be nice. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't I, go I was crazy. Also thinking I, I, if I, this, you know, this is at 435. I would probably go low fives at most. But that's going to make it really drivable okay. uh, and may improve the fuel economy. And fleet just filters. Remember, you, know you have that. Yep. You just remember, you, you have that Meritor transmission in there, and it does not have a reputation for handling horsepower all that well. Yeah, that's, we're not going to turn so, this one up yeah, too hard. Yeah, be careful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't get crazy. And yeah, then we're yeah, going to run it slow and easy. Smoking and, that transmission. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, dropping it, some catalyst in the tanks because of the injectors, right? I, yeah, all of that stuff. Hey, hey, Dylan, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you loose. We're wasting your time here. You need to go buy that truck, um, and then call us back and we'll talk about it once you've got it. Uh, that's a find, no doubt about it. Uh, let's go to Canada. Merv, welcome to the program. Oh, let me try that again. I thought I pressed the button. Merv, welcome. Hi, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Hey. I got a. I have an issue uh, with a carrier that I work for. Doesn't seem to want to pay me. Uh oh. Um, he owes me about thir- thirteen thousand. And uh, my question really is: I live in a. I'm in Canada, but I live in a different province than he does. And I've talked to a lawyer here, but he sounded a little wishy-washy about this question. Do I need? to go to the province that he lives in to bring up a litigation? So, unfortunately, uh, vaguely familiar with U.S. law in most of these cases, just enough to get me in trouble. Um, I know nothing about Canadian law. In the U.S., the the lawsuit would have to be brought where they are. That's the way we do it here. I have no idea how they do it in Canada. And it's one of the things that's challenging in trucking. I've said it many times that even even when you are completely right, many times lawsuits just aren't worth it. And I had a personal experience. I, I, I had a horrible experience at a shop. They just worked on a, um, a, a U-joint. And right there at the U-joint that they were working on, um, the whole thing came apart going down the road. And it was the front of the drive shaft, so it dropped, caught something, tore all kinds of crap up. Uh, And they had just worked on it less than 24 hours before that. I mean, come on. 
Even if there was something wrong that you didn't touch, you should have caught that there was something that wrong at that at that you joint that yoke. So I thought, and they did not want to pay for anything. They didn't want to give me a break on anything. They didn't want to redo it. They were just, you're on your own. And I thought, well, I'm going to sue them. Um, I learned pretty quick about how difficult that can be. They were only, well, they were only about three hours away from me. It was in Columbus. And I, my truck ran from Akron to Columbus. It got fixed in Columbus. And the, the very next night um, had this happen. So now you get a court date and you take off work. And if you're a driver, you got to get back home. And um, I go down there to show I show up for court. And as I'm standing there, I find out that the shop canceled court date because they claimed they had too many sick employees and they couldn't afford to have anybody out of the office in court that day. And the court allows it. So now I've taken off work. I've come down to Columbus. I'm standing here waiting and nothing. I just got to go home and, and wait till they give me another date. Happened twice. They did it. And then when we finally did get a court date, wow. I realized what a joke this is because they have two attorneys, three technicians, and their service manager. And I'm standing there by myself, and we're talking to a judge that doesn't know a diesel engine from a litter box. So guess who won the lawsuit? Yeah, credibility, I guess. It, it's right? awful. It is awful. It's a shame that that's the way it happens. And then the fact that you have to travel to another state or province in this case to do it just makes it more. And these these shops or these companies know if they're in the wrong, they're just going to give you the runaround as much as possible. And it's easy for them to do it. Right. This is not a this is a, uh, a trucking company that just got off the ground when I started working for them. And he's not, he's no genius, I'll tell you that. And I don't know if I'd have to be too concerned with that. Well, My now, guess is he won't even hire a lawyer. Well, okay, here's but the I other thing that, that happens a lot. I think he's just pushing his luck. People don't realize this. This happens way more than people think. You could take him to court. He won't get a lawyer if that's what you're thinking, and he may not. And you'll get a judgment. Yeah. You'll win. You'll get the yeah. judgment. And now what? You still got to collect. Now what? You can't collect. Right. You have a judgment, but nobody will show up on that guy's door and force him to write a check. If he just doesn't write the check, you'll have to take no. him back to court again. Yeah, I kind of researched that, and I was looking at, uh, like, small claims court and just dealing with him on my own. And I don't know if you have the same sort of system in, in the U.S., but here... They got a lot of information about how to how to do the process of the small claims. Um, yeah, that's litigation. The, that's the process I went. And it through. talks a lot about that. Yeah. No, I I, I, I used small claims because I couldn't afford to hire a lawyer for this. There was no way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I <laughs> I'm so pissed off. I I don't care if I don't get a dime out of it as long as he pays. <laughs> which well, is ridiculous. No I, but, no, I get it. Sometimes you just want to punish them for being assholes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a guy that uh, he was just starting out, and I, I'm, I'm doing okay. So I offered to him. I said, you know, if you're, you're in trouble, if you're uh, having a little trouble making a payment, 
I don't mind waiting, and then this is how he. Yeah, you know, I, I, I guess I, I learned I, that lesson. I, I, you know, it's a shame that we have to learn that lesson too, because I like being the nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to be able to say, "Well, well sure. here, here, let me help you out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let me make things easier." Um, mm-hmm. I have found, and this mm-hmm. this is a lot. This actually is worse with customers than it is with vendors. I have found customers over the years, the, the more breaks I give them, the bigger assholes they become. Right. Yeah. Mm. You know, the people I go huh. above okay. and beyond, go overboard to try to help them, the minute something goes wrong, it's all my fault. Yeah. Okay. Well. I wish I had I'll better news for you. Think about that. Sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like that it, process you know of I, going through small you know claims, was do? it complicated for you? You know what I might do? See if I don't, and again, I don't know if the systems are the same in the U.S. I'm assuming they are. Try to call a collection agency. See if you could sell this to somebody or turn it over to a collection agency. My lawyer suggested that, actually. And uh, maybe that would be the better way. I think and then you can best. harass them without right, right. doing yeah. anything. Right? Yeah, I yeah. think that's your best option. To, you know, maybe you'll get a little bit of money out of it and you can cause them some headaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I might go that route then. Um, it's good advice. I appreciate it. You're now welcome. that I got it from two different people. So. You're, you're <laughs> okay, welcome. great. Have a nice day. You guys said you'd uh, you could help with anything. I'm putting on a set of fenders right now. Anybody willing to give me a hand? Sure, we'll be right there. <laughs> you gonna have lunch? All right. Yeah. Have you know what? I, <laughs> I picked up on your accent, so you must yeah. be west of Edmonton, eh? <laughs> Somewhere near Saskatchewan, I think. Um, hopefully, he'll have lunch ready for us when we get there. Let's go to Missouri. Yeah, Josh, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. So, I'm a uh, company driver right now. Uh, I'm looking for um, advice in a couple of years. We're trying to get experience. I'm a newer driver. Um, I would like to get my own truck at some point. Just trying to see uh, what can I do as a company driver to help me for success when I make that job? Drive the truck that you're driving now, like it's your own and keep track of the expenses or estimate what the expenses would be to operate that truck. That's a good one. Here's another one that I think helps with, with kind of attitude and mindset. And a lot of people lose their mind when I talk about this, but I, I still think it's the way to go. You know, we talk about owner operators and I know this is a different situation. Uh, the, the way you succeed in business is you provide more value to your customer than anybody else can. And, and I have the one thing I haven't really been much in my life is an employee. Um, I had two jobs when I was a teenager and then I started painting cars on my own. Um, then I went in the military and that's not really like being an employee. And other than that, I've never been an employee my whole life. I really only had two employee jobs, but if I ever had to take another job like that, I would use the same approach. I would teach that employee. I would treat that employer as though they're just my customer. Right. So, I mean, I, do, I get all their hot loads right now because they know I can get everywhere on time with no issues. And then, uh, I've been making relationships with the customers they have. Excellent. Um, because I, I do specialized equipment. Yep. So, I mean, they, I usually do the same people within a week or so of each other. So I'm just trying to figure out that route and then 
guys were talking about buying, I'm say I'm not going to buy a new truck. So one, I don't have the funds, but should I buy like a pre, uh, Def truck to start off with, where I could pay cash or shoot. Is it better wait, now to wait, go did I, twelve did, and newer? Maybe I wait. Mi- wait. I mi- yep. Maybe I missed something there. <laughs> did, how did we go from I want to be the best employee I can be, and now we're talking about buying a truck? I may have missed something. No, no, well, I'm a company driver number. right now. Yes, yes. Well, in, in like a year or so. Okay. Well, then I'm just trying to. Then we'll go back to Henry's. Experience and then, yeah, then we'll go back to Henry's advice. Now your primary focus right. is running this truck as though it's yours now and using profit gauges and running all of your expenses through profit gauges. So you start to see them using fuel gauges to watch your fuel consumption. Treat this truck like it's your own. That's the best advice for what you're trying to prepare for. And, and make okay. sure so that I- you don't have the mindset of that's not my job. Yeah, right. Oh, I don't do that. I grew up on the All the jobs are yours. Oh, I, yeah, I never grew up that way. <laughs> I was raised on right. a farm, and if I had that attitude, my grandfather would have talked and said so. um, <laughs> yeah, They would have. How do I do the profit gauges since I don't know what the maintenance is? And I don't, I mean, I know the fuel is, but we only can use loves. I don't necessarily agree with it. No, that, that, that's fine because there's two factors in fuel cost per mile. One is your fuel consumption. The other is your fuel purchasing. You don't have control over the purchasing, so just ignore that for now. But you can certainly track fuel cost. Okay. Maintenance, uh, you know, this really depends. I've seen situations where the driver virtually takes the truck to the shop while they're on the road 100% of the time. And if that's the case, it's not that hard to ask what the bill cost. If it goes into a a job uh, like a company shop, you may not have all the data, but track what you can. But you still can do it. Correct. Right. Even if it's not perfect. You still can do that because just just do it what it would have cost you if you took it to the Loves or PA or wherever. Right. We could go get an estimate on that. So you can absolutely track fuel cost accurately. You can get pretty darn close on maintenance, close enough. And I'll tell you, for the most part, the rest of the expenses just aren't that big of a deal. You know, in some operations, insurance is going to be a bigger issue. In some, it's not. But we've got enough people on here that that know trucks um, and costs. Would you guys agree? I mean, if you get a handle on fuel and maintenance Mm -hmm. and your equipment cost, You've probably got this handle. Fuel maintenance and tires. Yeah. And mate, tires to me are just part of maintenance. Yeah. So, yeah, if you get those two yeah. under control, yep. you've got this figured out. One of the things I've put together on my original business plan, any of the costs that I couldn't figure out exactly what they were going to be, like on tires, I made that, that figure a third worse than what I figured it would be. Yeah, yeah, just to be conservative. And, Not and, to have rose-colored okay. glasses on when you put those numbers together because you end up with the best-case scenario, and it don't always work out that way. Okay, because right now the, the other truck th- that I'm driving is the truck that you guys hate, built with a pack car. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm getting good fuel mileage for pulling a step deck with equipment. I'm getting about 8, 8.3 on average. So. Out of that pack car? Yes. 
Hell, that's not good. That's, right. that's outstanding. You're, you're going to be all right as an owner-operator. <laughs> yeah. If you're getting that on an yeah. open deck with that truck, hell, you're doing really well. So when I was listening to you, I was like, man, I don't understand the hate. because I'm getting pretty decent, and I drive pretty much. We're governed at 65. So, so and my, my foot's well, not that I like to, difference. but my foot is pretty much up. Let, let's explain the difference. So the difference in a truck that I just said, you're doing fantastic. You are. It's a company driver situation. You don't have control over most of it. It's an open deck. It's not a great engine for fuel economy. So that is a really impressive number. But the difference between your number and Joel's number is about $25,000 a year in fuel cost. Right. So that we, we, we wouldn't, we don't settle. I mean, we will praise a number like that, but ultimately we always want to do better. We're just saying for that situation, that's a great number. Oh, absolutely. If I could put a Detroit in, in this 579, because I really like how this drives, oh, I'd be all about it. We yeah, that well, can. yeah, that can't happen. You're right. Don't, you don't go down that road. It's not going to happen. Yeah, changing engines and <laughs> trucks is never worth it. Oh, no. Uh, but if I went Volvo, or the older Volvos, because I, like I said, I want to pay cash. I don't want to have, if I'm going to start a business, I don't want any debt. If, Good. You know, possible. Good. Um, is like a 12 and newer Volvo worth buying? Or is it, well, you guys talk about just the newer Volvos. I've never really driven so, one other than when I so worked for a mega. When you look at, when you look at the older, let, let's, let's say 10, 11, 12, they have what they called the XE package. And that gave you a 264 rear axle ratio with an overdrive transmission. So that okay. was one of the first down sped uh, powertrains available in the North American marketplace. Now it's not to the point where we are today by any means, but um, you know, pretty easily an eight mile a gallon truck uh, uh, if if you're driving it right. And it sounds like as a driver, you have the skill because you're getting this with with the pack car. So you apply that same mindset to the to the Volvo, you're going to be very similar uh, in terms of fuel efficiency, most likely. Now, here's where you can go off the rail with a Volvo. If you do what a lot of guys will tell you to do, get a 500 with a 308 ratio and and the, just the you know the the 12 speed overdrive, that truck will bury you. Uh, it will it will not be pretty. You're looking at a six six and a half mile a gallon truck on a good day. And so you've got to be very careful with the specs. Volvo built a lot of trucks to customer request, even though it didn't make a whole lot of sense. That's what the customer wanted. That's what they built. Um, so you're, you're definitely going to want to get the downsped, that XE package, uh, 264 ratio. There are a handful of 247 overdrives in that range floating around. They're very rare. But if you can happen to find one, snap it up and, and you'll do just fine. Yeah, for that okay. matter, yeah. the same thing happened over at Freightliner that way. There was a lot of people, that's what they wanted. So that's what they right. got. And, and that, there was that transition period where, and, and it's still a lot of people are hung up. Got to be a 308 and a 500. Has to be. And, you know, that's not definitely not optimal for most on-highway applications. And uh, there, so there's a lot of 241s out there, too. A lot of 241s yep. out there of that era that fall into hey. the same category. Hey, because Joshua. 241 and the 308 are identical. Yes. Um, 
Have you seen my course, Stop Holding the Steering Wheel? I haven't. I've heard you talk about it. I've been listening to you for a little bit now, and I've been trying to – I went back and started as early as I could, and now I'm just going – when you're not so, live, I just listen to you. Or So, so. There's, a, there's a couple options, and both will work for you since you've got a year timeline. Um, the course – I'm going to go make sure we still have some copies of it. We have it in a physical course with DVDs and workbooks and um, – I think we still have some of those left where we stopped producing those when we put the course online, but I think we may still have some. Uh, we do. So you could buy the physical program right now and start listening to that while you drive, okay. work through the workbook. I will also be starting, uh, we're going to do a health course like this first. And then shortly after we get the health course up and running, I'll be doing a trucking course like this. Um, I'm going to be offering a, a a group coaching program. And the reason it's going to be group is because it helps keep the cost down for you. If I had to coach you directly right. on this, I would be charging you $500 an hour. And it would be worth it. I know that might be a little arrogant, but it would be worth it because you would succeed. I could almost guarantee it. You just do what I say, you're going to succeed. As arrogant as that sounds, you could do the same thing with everybody else on this call. It would be worth it for you to pay them that much right. because they could just about guarantee you're going to succeed. Um, but oh, I mean, if you, rather if you than do that, and make yourself rather than do that, here's what we're doing. You will be able to get something very similar to that. And instead of $500 an hour, it will be $75 a month. And there's no commitment other than a month at a time. You join for $75 a month. We have a biweekly call. And on that call, I will work with people directly for as long as I need to, as long as they want to stay in the program, to answer any question they have about getting started. And the nice thing about the group, not only does it make it cheaper, but you're going to learn about things that you hadn't even thought of yet because somebody else is going to ask a question you hadn't thought of. And I'm going to work through their problem with them. I mean, I'm doing, we will be doing things like if you go out to look for trucks, I'll have you pull an oil sample, pull an ECM report, pull a rig dig report, and I'll go through it and tell you whether I would buy that truck or not. Okay. Yeah, because uh, talking about the other guy, too, in Phoenix, I mean, I, I just look just to see what prices they're doing in Phoenix, but there's a lot of, like, hay trucks that I wouldn't go over the road with. So, so just kind of keep an eye on prices just to see what they're doing. And then let's do that. Good. Um, so here, here's what I would have you do. Go, go get the course. Get started on it. Call me once a week or whatever, whenever you have a question, and we'll go over it now on the air. I'm somewhat limited on the air, but then when we get the group coaching, it'll be perfect timing for you. You'll be um, probably within six to eight months of pulling the trigger. Okay. Awesome. All right. Now, and you said to get specialized too, so does it matter? Like, So I my long-term goals to go heavy to start with, I would do step deck or flat. Um, so so here's, would I buy a truck set up for flat? Here's one. Uh, well, I, I can answer that question and then I'll help you out. 
a big part of the program okay. is going to help you figure this out. This I, I have worksheets okay. on this topic, how to figure out what you want your operation to look like. So once you go through that part of it, you'll have better questions. But I'll tell you this, I, and I said this earlier, I spec trucks very, okay. very specifically. Like I will build a truck so that it is completely efficient at one job. And if I need to go do something else with it long-term, I would probably get rid of it and buy another truck. Now, the good news is going forward, like Joel mentioned, um, the Volvo platform is very, very versatile. It, it can do a lot of things really well. Um, you're not going to be in the market for a new Volvo to get started, though. So we would be looking for. Oh, no, that'd be an accident. Yeah, we, we would be looking for in the used market the it's right, right truck for exactly what you're going to you be. You won't doing. hurt. Right, absolutely. All right. Awesome. So there you go. You've got a plan. Hey, Fridays would be a great day to call because um, you get lots of experience on what you're going through right now. Uh, everybody on this call will have things they'll be able to help you with. Let's, uh, oh, hey, oh, go ahead. Somebody Kevin, have something? Yeah. Adding to that, because, adding to that because, you know, we believe in capitalism. If it was one-on-one, I'd, I'd beat you, but I'd do it at 475 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, Joel, here Alex, you are, cheap race. <laughs> you know, hey, because of the value added, hey, I'm going to be 525. I'm starting a campaign. <laughs> Just say no to cheap advice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I'm yeah. going to have global reach now, so I was thinking I was going to charge six and a quarter. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I, I you like know. this call. Real capitalist here. <laughs> We're not we're, we're not going to cut the rate. We're going to convince people why they should pay us more. Yep. Well, you, you know, as as funny as that sounds, when you think about how bad you can be hurt by buying the wrong truck, oh, twice the rate of what we're talking about is a deal. It is. You're right. It, it is. is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because it, it it's going to impact your business going forward and it potentially you buy the wrong truck you're so, out of business so here's something interesting so and, and, and uh, it's yep. it's why i've come up with this group coaching program at 75 dollars a month i've studied other industries i've studied other programs pretty extensively there was a group for a while and this goes way back i actually read this in a book called guerrilla marketing the uh the guy was a um he cleaned carpets in houses, residential carpets. And he got really good at the business. And he could show people how to do really well as an independent, you know, carpet cleaner. He had a course. It was $10,000 to go through his course. And he did really well selling it. Try doing that in trucking. Mm -hmm. But why not? Mm -hmm. it, 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 well, it would actually it, make but, sense. But it, I could look at all these people that are struggling right yes. now and say, look, if you would have paid yes. me $10,000 two years ago, you wouldn't be in this position right now. And, and Kevin, yeah, here's where it becomes it, even more valuable. When you look at the rate of progression of technology in the industry, we're progressing at a rate way cool. faster than we ever did before. Yeah. And, you know, a decade ago, it was kind of okay to say, you know, this is how my daddy done it, so this is how I'm going to do it. <laughs> that absolutely does not apply anymore at no, all. No, and, it doesn't. you know, 
And, and now when we've got new regulations coming out the states where they're going to blacklist these older trucks that don't have emission systems, so you won't be able to go to California, you won't be able to go to Washington, won't be able to go to Oregon, won't be able to go to New Jersey, won't be able to go to Pennsylvania, won't be able to go to New York, you'll really be limiting yourself buying older trucks like we do today. And it, it makes sense today. Right. Today it still makes sense to go buy that $10,000 truck. In another couple years, most likely not going to make right. sense because you are going to be so limited mm-hmm. in your opportunities that you're going to have to understand this stuff. And in the past, we'd always say, well, trucking's not exactly rocket science. I beg to differ nowadays. <laughs> it's getting, it's you, getting more mm-hmm. complicated. You've got to have your shit together. You've yeah. got to be able to understand this stuff to so, have any confidence yeah. in a purchase you're making. So, so going forward, Kevin, I think this program that you're talking about absolutely makes sense. And in a couple of years, it's really going to make a lot of sense to where I, I, I just, you, you'd have to be part of this in order to stay on top of things. Look, I got an in at Volvo. Henry's got an in at Detroit. We get to talk to these engineers direct. If you didn't have that type of pipeline to get this inaccurate information and bring it back, and then we put it to work out on the road to prove what they're saying is correct. Um, you know, that, that information is super valuable to the average guy that has no hope in hell of going to Volvo headquarters or the Freightliner headquarters, knocking on the door and say, hey, I want to talk to your head engineers about this. Yeah, <laughs> They're going to exactly. giggle at you. Yeah, they are going to you know? giggle at you, yeah. Um, so there is a huge, huge, huge value in what you're talking about, and it's only going to become more valuable as we move forward. You know what else is frustrating about this? So I, I've done courses like this in the past. I mean, we had... Our CMC was a five-day course with multiple speakers, lots of events going on. We managed to keep the price of that ticket down to $1,800 a person. And people thought that was a lot. I can't find another business conference anywhere that's five days long that is less than $10,000. That's just how expensive they are. Well, you think about this. In this industry. Think about this, Kevin. Yeah, go ahead. Think about when you're when you're able to buy a used piece of equipment for ten thousand dollars, and you're asking somebody to attend yeah, a conference right. for eighteen hundred yeah, bucks, that's a, it's a stretch. You're right. That's going to go away though, and and when you have to start paying. Two hundred, two hundred twenty-five, two hundred forty, two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a truck. You damn well better know what you're buying, and you Good damn point. well better understand it because it will make you or break you. And now that eighteen hundred dollars, not such a stretch. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you're talking about a marketplace that you know. And I joked about this several weeks ago. You know, these guys, a lot of the folks are one flat tire from going you're out right. of business. You're right, and so. You're right. You guys, all of us are coming from the place of $1,800 is a drop in the bucket in the, in the terms of an operating business or, or even $10,000 for that matter. But about, to a lot of the folks, not so much. How about this? How about a program that's extensive enough that it has four audio CDs? So what is that about four hours? of material, two DVDs, so several more hours, a workbook, 30 some years worth of experience helping people get started, all of that, it's $247. It, we stopped printing. Kind of a no-brainer. We, we stopped printing these things a couple of years ago when we moved it online, and I still haven't sold out. I'm wondering why we still have some of these things around. 
It's because the people that need to buy it have gone out of business. <laughs> well, and, and, and you know, we have a fundamental problem in our industry. It's almost looked upon that education is a bad thing. You know, we talked about right. what's more important to organize or to educate. It's always more important to educate, educate, educate. And it's not it's not driven home in this industry. It's not we're not we don't hold ourselves to a higher standard. 90% of us, I would say, they don't take the time. I know how to drive the truck and, you know, that's, that's held out there with a badge on or I can shift an 18 speed. I can't learn that in a classroom. And so a lot of these guys, the majority of truck drivers, they just don't see the value of that education. It, how does that impact their, their bottom line? As a company driver, it doesn't. Right. I don't care right. if you have a degree or if you have, yeah, it didn't graduate high school, you're going to make the same amount of money. But as when you own your own business, um, it makes a huge difference. Uh, and it's the difference between just getting by and really doing well. Listen to this story. This is a real story. I've communicated with this person. This is a real story. I've, I had a hard time believing it when I first watched the video. But it, this is real. So this was one of those TikTok things. And I, look, let me just tell everybody right now. Get TikTok the hell off your phone. I, I don't care. It, it's bad enough that it's Chinese owned and they're probably stealing all of our data and who knows what the hell they're doing with it. Forget all that. Get TikTok off of your phone for reasons like this story. The guy puts up a video on TikTok, shows his trucking operation and his yard and trucks and trailers and all this stuff, and he is soliciting investments into his trucking business. First off, it's, it's probably really illegal. I would have to go look at the way he's doing this, but this is a securities offering, and I'm sure it's completely illegal, mm -hmm. but he's doing it. And here was the deal, and this guy admitted to it. The guy got suckered into this, and he did the video admitting what happened, trying to warn other people away from it. But here's where uh, there, there are no regulations you could ever write to stop this. Like I said, it's already illegal. But here was the deal. In, this guy invested $40,000 into this guy's trucking company, and he was expecting a return of five to $10,000 a month. Oh, wow. Come on. Oh, boy. Come wow. on. Let's think about that. <laughs> that means he's going to invest $40,000, break even in about eight months, and then start profiting somewhere between 150 and 300%. Just, just the numbers alone. So where's the problem? Should... <laughs> just, just the numbers alone should tell somebody this is ridiculous to ever think this could happen. Ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Well, on, on that notion of you saying that, changing my earlier offer, it's up to 700 now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so in the video, the guy who gets, ripped, who gets ripped off, he actually says, I looked at all these numbers and it looked so good. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe by design, huh? Yeah, but it looked so uh, good. Lady. That's what he said. But it looked so good. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Oh. So you know, the, every state has a um, an office of division of securities. I I would suggest, as you were implying, Kevin, that you go find one eight hundred. You know, yeah. uh, division of securities. 
yeah, and the, and uh, deal deal with that. Now, it, it's it's a securities offering. You're absolutely right, and it is illegal without yeah. the proper prospectus okay. and whether it's a qualified investor and you know those exactly. sorts of rules. Right. But um, yeah, yeah, and you know doesn't now, pass the stupidity test. Well, and now here's the ridiculous. Whatever part. happened to if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Exactly. Here's the ridiculous part. This guy isn't trying yeah. to get into trucking. He thought he w- he thought he had some passive income opportunity here. Now I would tell him, give me the forty thousand dollars. I'll get your business started for you. I'll do it all. I'll go buy the truck. I'll spec the truck. I'll find you a carrier to lease it onto. It'll take me about two or three months, and I'll take that forty grand, and you'll actually make some money. But you got to go work for it. There's, yeah, there's no passive income in trucking. I'm sorry, it doesn't exist. Right, right, right. In fact, yep. in fact, yeah, exactly. most of the four of us should probably have our head examined. Because I believe all four of us could have done far better in many other industries other than trucking. This is not an easy industry. You work your ass off for every dollar you get. You know, we just we well, like see, had this discussion. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. But, we, but, we talked about this yesterday. Yeah, it's We got into an industry where. The work ethic is so much to, geared towards working hard that they have to have limitations to stop you from working more. <laughs> Good point. You're right. Good point. We have yeah. laws to stop and, you from and, overworking and, in this industry. Yeah. And you know what? You work so hard that you have to give the truck a 30-minute lunch break because it's <laughs> it's been working too hard. You know, but you still have to pump fuel and clean the work. Yeah, exactly. This is all designed to, you know, give the truck a break. But the driver, he's, he's yeah. still on the clock. He just can't hey, be driving. Hey, speaking give of the truck work, a break. Speaking of a work ethic, I can't believe we all put in uh, three hours here. With, well, I did. You guys put in two hours. I put in three hours without a break. We have two more calls. We're over our time limit for today, but I'm a nice guy, so we're going to take these two calls, and then we're all going to get on with our weekend. Um, let's go to Ohio. Right. Stacy. No, we're not. Yeah. I, I, start, I start working. I got to go to Portland. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Joel's got a load. Joel has a load to pick up, so he's, he's working all weekend, I can assure you. There you go. All right. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> them, them, them You're darn welcome. dispatchers. Them darn dispatchers. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. All right, Stacy. What's up? Yeah, they're mind? as bad as brokers. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Um, uh, several shows back, you all were talking about drive tires. There was a one that started out real crappy, and after about fifty, sixty thousand miles, it got better rolling resistance and lasted forever. Was that the seven twenty six? Every tire is like that to a degree. The Bridgestones are kind of famous for that. The 726EL, I think it is. Um, yeah. Extra Life, I think that's what that EL stands for. It will be horrific when it starts. But when it wears into the groove and it gets uh-huh. where it's happy fuel efficiency-wise, it lasts forever in a day. Um, my brother runs them in, in, in his fleet. Uh, and, you know, 450, 500,000 miles on a set of drive tires is not unusual of them. But your first 100,000, you're going to take it on the chin fuel efficiency-wise. There's no doubt. Right. Okay. All right. That's all I needed. All right. That all right. Easy. Thanks for the thank call. Guys. Yeah. Let's go to Michigan this time. Michael, welcome to the program. 
Howdy. What's on your mind today? Uh, I may be able to help you with your chicken eggs missing. Oh, good. <laughs> but first, <laughs> I want to talk about some fuel. Oh, okay. If we have I to, saw I that, that, we have that, to talk that, about trucks, It sounds trucks. like he's holding at ransom. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, I saw we, that Russia... We, we already can tell he's uh, he's got some negotiation skills. Yes. <laughs> well, I like want to know about saying, the Russia, Russia home export ban was lifted for their fuel. Uh, Interesting. Did, did that just happen? So we we won't feel that for a while. I just saw that today. Yes. Yeah, I hadn't seen that. Huh. Okay. So we won't feel that for a while, but one thing that we so is, can feel is, is Georgia, their fuel tax suspension is extended to November 11th. Now that's interesting. I just filed my IFTA. I wonder if I'm going to get a refund then because I shouldn't have to pay for Joel's driving through Georgia. <laughs> there you go. Let me see my refund here. You know, I never thought, we to, just paid I never thought to ask about this. When these states suspend their fuel tax how do they do it what is the mechanism i guess i assume they stop charging it at the pump but maybe that's not how they're doing they do but well yeah yeah well, they do. but the, the bad thing is if you look at georgia in particular it's no bargain buying fuel in georgia yeah <laughs> which means the the well, the lifting the tax didn't help the trucking industry. It helped the truck stop industry. Because exactly. they're saying they're yeah. collecting the tax but not having to remit it. it well, yeah. But doesn't that get sorted no, out through the IFTA? Here's what happens. No. If they <laughs> if they stop with if they stop collecting the tax, which seems like the easiest way to do this, just tell the vendors stop collecting. Mm -hmm. Because if you try to get the end users to do it on their IFTA, that's a mess. Oh, and then the other thing, did they only do this on diesel? Yes. Was, okay. So as far as I know. Yeah. Well, so, I didn't check gas, but so here's what happens. They stop collecting the tax. Owner operators and fleets don't understand fuel tax. So now Georgia, all the truck stops go, oh, look, we don't have to charge that 38 cents or whatever their tax was. Yeah. We can just raise our base yep. fuel price up 38 raise cents. Full price, yes. We're, we're still competitive. Mm -hmm. They people, did. People will keep buying it here, even though they're going to get screwed on their fuel tax. And the truck stops make the money in the oil companies, not the trucking companies. Yep. Sure. During that well, period wait a, that that's wait a minute. going on, I have not bought one gallon in Georgia. That makes sense. Well, I have. <laughs> so we drove 1,100, or, you know, Joel and I have. So we went 1,100 miles. We bought on September 26, we bought 97.28 gallons. The pump price was 446 a gallon. We paid a net, uh, well, with a discount of 384. Um, but mm -hmm. that has that 450, uh, 446 has tax in it. it so does. I want to know where, yes. So I want to know where I'm going to collect my, I want to know money. that too. Cause that you would have to have a calculation so, on the IFTA report to do that then. Well, and I do. So I, 35 cents a gallon. Uh, so I got a tax 
uh, liability of $36.03, and I got a tax credit of $34.05, so I owe $1.98. Well, but a if Henry is, or, the, you know, it, that's with the tax paid. Yeah, now I should still, be right. getting 35 cents a gallon back. Correct. Yes. So I need to get uh, 102.9 gallons approximately times 35 cents. So I should get a $35 tax credit rebate, basically. Right. Yeah. Yep. Look, so. Looking at it right now at Harnsville, Georgia, I just pulled up my fuel app. It's 361.8 with or without tax. Hey, hey, I just realized. The discounted rate. I just realized something. You, you guys are now hogging my time. Michael called in to tell me about my disappearing eggs. <laughs> no, hang on. Now, we'll now we're excited. Yeah. You, you guys are stealing where, my where, time. For here. example, in but Charlotte, here's the thing how, much, three how many eggs can you buy Carolina for 35 bucks? <laughs> yeah. And, and exactly. One without tax, so it's cheaper in North Carolina. Uh, it, in today's world, my eggs for $35, yeah. you're going to get 35 eggs. There you go. There you go. I'll send you my address offline. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, where are my eggs going? Okay. Your eggs, is there a mess where you leave them on the Nothing. ground by the barrel? Nothing. I can't find Nothing. a track. Okay. I can't find a scratch. I can't find an eggshell. It's, it's, we, uh, Sarah and Vic have been here all week, so Sarah's been helping me out on the property, and um, she was out wandering around through the, the creek bed is still dry. The water's not running yet. She found some of the broken eggs out in the creek bed. Okay. Raccoons. Maybe a raccoon then. My theory was chickens themselves will peck at it, carry it away and eat it because of competition. And they really enjoy the eggshell and everything inside of it. Huh. And I thought that could have been it because it happens on my property at times. Interesting. I'm not sure. How does a chicken carry an egg? Their beak. After they poke I would, a hole in it. it I would oh, get an okay. egg basket and put some fabric in there to shock, soften up the cushion and keep them in there. But that was my theory that the chickens may have been pushing them off the barrel and then carrying them away and eating I'm, everything up. I'm not completely convinced my chickens can get up on a barrel. They're not all that coordinated and they don't fly okay. all that well. <laughs> they might be able to, I guess. They can. They are getting over one of my gates somewhere because I still keep finding them in the yard. Uh, so I haven't got that figured. They might be cutting through the woods, though. I think that's what they're doing. But I have no idea. There is no trace anywhere around these eggs that would give you a clue. There's no tracks anywhere. There's just nothing. It's just the eggs are just gone. Do you have possums over there? Uh, I'm sure we do. I haven't seen any yet, but I haven't seen any raccoons either. There's an awful lot of wildlife over there, but I haven't seen possums or raccoons, but I'm sure they're there. All right, because they'll hang from a tree by their tail. During the day. Yeah. You know what I think I'm going to do? Because it's become such a mystery and nobody can really figure it out. I think I'm going to leave some eggs out there and put a camera. Put a camera on Yeah, I want to see what the hell's happening here. You know what they'll do, Kevin? They'll take the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, I just sent you a thing over on the deal with Russia. Oh, did you? The okay, European good. markets f- f- fell backward 30%. 
boy, I, I'll tell you, I my show on, opened on this the morning. I, I hate to be Mr. Downer, but I went through the economic news that I could find this week, just this week. Forget everything we've been through up until this time. This week has been shocking. What happened with the freight volumes and freight rates, they fell mm. right off a cliff. I mean, just about overnight. They, I, I can't find any good news anywhere. I follow a bunch of analysts that are in the used New and used car market, that's not looking good. Real estate market's a mess. Um, I, I'm just not seeing any good news anywhere right now. And here's the more bad news. By lowering fuel costs, those of us who invested in fuel economy, which would be everybody, um, you know, now we don't get the, we have a political uh, solution to make the market happy you know, in the economy, but the, those of us who in, invested in fuel saving technology, emissions reducing technology and climate change technology yeah. now lose our return on investment. So good going. Yeah. Great. Great. All that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it don't even get me started on the green push. No, I'm that's a mess. But You know, fuel, fuel surcharge is a profit center for us. And Absolutely. so when fuel goes down, that erodes our return on investment. So that helps the, those who were struggling in the marketplace already, you know, so now we, we just support the uh, this, subsidizing this really of those who are less efficient. Yes. And it potentially prolongs the capacity issue that we have. Right. Yes. They're going to artificially yep. drop fuel prices. And now we're going to have operations that should not be in the marketplace, continue to be in the marketplace. And, you know, most of these guys are the 75 mile an hour guys that are going to run super fast on top of it to compound the issue. And so you don't get a recovery. This just extends and the pain. They need to call the herd and get it over with so we can get on the road to recovery. Here. And let's not forget and how the, they managed to manipulate those fuel prices. And it didn't work. It was very temporary. We knew it would be temporary. Then they came back, but they, they depleted our strategic reserve and it's still empty. Yeah. Our you know, strategic they, reserve is at they the shorted lowest. the market. Yeah, it's been it's at the lowest it's been since the nineteen eighties. And we have two, one war going on and another potential war that we could get sucked into. And we have no fuel reserves. That's not a good thing. Yeah, they, they went short. Yeah. And now they're going to have to cover those shorts. Yeah. You know what? It's a margin call. How's it feel? That's, that, that's, yeah. Except they're, they're doing margin calls with our money. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the problem. It was a misuse of this. SPI to begin with. It sure was. Sure was. All right, guys, I could do this all day. It's been a been a great show. I, I kind of like this um, kind of wide open topic thing. A lot of good knowledge going on hey, here. Hey, Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, did, did you see the link that I sent you? Uh, I didn't. How did, sent over. how did you send it? I, I sent it on our group with the uh, deal with Russia. Oh, okay. No, I don't, I don't see it. I'll, I'll probably find it right when I get off. Um, Lisa sent me something, though. Um, more bad news. And I, I'm a little shocked about this one. With everything going on in the world and with our military, we have um, here in the gorge, we have one of the large military drone makers, a company called Insitsu, is here in the gorge. And uh, it's a pretty big deal. Oh, okay. Uh, Lisa just got that thing over to me, Henry. Thank you. Um 
Insitsu is laying off more workers. I didn't realize they had laid anybody off. Mm-hmm. Oh, this this company is actually a subsidiary of Boeing, but they've uh, they're going through layoffs. That's uh, it. That seems a little odd with everything going on with our military. It does. Hmm. Seems oxymoronic. It does. I know, but I, I just think there might be that much slowing down that's happening. That's what's got me worried. We, we, yeah, but you know, it's a perfect time to for the UAW to go on strike. Oh, that's but another. Turkey thing. is ramping up, and it, I I I can't remember a time in the last two decades that we've had so many unions on strike. Seems like it's all over the place. That there's like seventy five thousand healthcare workers that are on strike. Oh, Kaiser, yes. Yeah, oh. Kaiser, that was a big one. Then you got yep. the UAW, that was the biggest ever. Um, there's a lot of these going on all of a sudden. It, there's teachers' unions, a bunch of teachers' unions are on strike. That seems odd. Uh, let's just well, think about this for a second. Well, and your friends, Kevin. If, if, you're, if your union leadership, aren't you looking at the economy right now saying, hey, th- this might not be a good time to strike? <laughs> Might be thankful you have it. In this day and age, and, and I was just reading this thing, you know, the secret of life is, and, and I had it on my Facebook page, is the cow doesn't give milk. You have to go get it. <laughs> and to me, I think so many people now think that if they don't go get it, somebody's going to provide it and they'll be all right. That's the <sighs> thought. It, you know, the, the, the best I can hope out of this is that. You know, the, the, the stuff we talk about, the things we do, the, the things we help people with, the things that the tribe does, is that it, it is time for a good cleaning out of the economy and the industry. And, and if you've been doing the right thing, you're going to make it. Somebody's got to deliver the freight. So it, it's going to be the people that can afford to deliver the freight and still make a profit. At some point, it's going to simply boil down for the small operations to efficiency. Yeah. Um, you know, it, as soon as they, they stop playing the games with the, with the, the oil markets, and at some point that's going to have to come to an end, I, I think. Um, I don't think they can continue to do that forever. And when, once that happens, uh, then your, your bloodbath that you always talk about, that's going to start in earnest. As long as they keep playing with the, with the, the fuel prices, we're going to continue to keep people. And, and they may do this as, as the election draws closer. They, they may really play with it hard in order to keep these people employed to try and buy some votes, I, I would suspect. Right. So I'm thinking maybe right after right after elections, uh, depending on you know how things pan out, look out. Because I, I, that, I, they'll, they'll stop doing that at that point, and uh, it's going to be a mess. You know, um, I think too many people from both sides put too much emphasis on how the election turns out. Well, that's all our government seems to care about I, anymore. I, our whole government seems to be nothing yeah. but a giant election machine. Correct. Yeah. Like everything's going to change depending on who's in. Now, the and- interesting thing is, and Joel, I, I think you're probably right. Uh, Noel put out a, a report earlier this week um, predicting that he thinks that the real um, recession that we've been talking about for several years now is going to happen at the end of 2024. And that would go right along with what you're saying about the uh, yeah. elections, yeah. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to do everything they can to prop it up, you know, for the elections so they can, and both sides are going to be guilty of this. They're, they're both yeah. going to be yep. underhanded and crooked as hell, you know, propping shit up and trying to make things look better than what they are. And then as soon as that election's over, all hell's going to break loose. Something, you know, it, it, that still gives people time to prepare. That's still a lot of time it to does. get your affairs yeah, it, in order. It, it, absolutely. Yes. And, and you know what? There's going to be a hell of a lot of opportunity for right. the efficient fleets out there where you're actually going to be able to grow, take market share, you know, do whatever it is that, yeah. that you want to do with your business. If you, if you just want to be a solo operation, you're still going to be fine. But it's, it's the people that insist on, you know, let's just run fast and forget about the efficiency <laughs> part of the equation you know don't don't worry about expenses because all you have to do is get a better rate it's the, those are the people that are going to get washed out let's and give a, it, it's going to happen so let's we'll give a real happens. i'm going to give this example and then we're going to we're going to end for today um but let's take a real world example somebody i've been talking to we talked about him today um, and i said he's pretty safe for now but this could change the guy with the great freight rate doesn't want to tell us what kind of freight it is. I understand. Mm-hmm. His expenses are awful. He's got two trucks. He's getting horrible fuel economy. Now, you got to remember that that's double yeah. insurance. That's double IFTA or mm-hmm. double um, heavy vehicle use tax. It's expensive to own two trucks. Neither one of them are getting good fuel economy, so that's awful in today's world. And he's protected by this good freight rate. But mm-hmm. at some point, even, it w- it will that, not last. even that shipper is going to say, I don't have to pay this kind of rate anymore. That's exact. A broker is going to come in there at some point and talk to that shipper and say, look, we can do this way cheaper than what you're paying for right now. That will happen you, at some point. You guys are assuming that there's competition in the marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that, see, and, 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 you know, here's, here's the lesson here. We can control our expenses across the board, hundred percent. Yes. We are in complete control of our fuel efficiency across the board. 100%. We are not in control of rate. Despite what these people say, just go out and get a better rate. It does not work that way. And it will bite you in the ass at some point in time. It will, so, there's no way around this. So, you know, manage what you can manage and what you have complete control over be smart, you know, work smarter, not harder, manage your expenses and the rates are going to do what they're going to do. And if you get efficient enough as the rates plummet, and I suspect that they're going to get even worse than where we're at now, you'll still survive. If you don't do that, you're not going to make it. One of the things we should be aware of, the bottom rate, that number that, you know, right now, if you take fuel out, it's at like a dollar 55 a mile. That bottom rate may not go down anymore. We may be at the bottom there. There may be a little more room there. But this $5 a mile stuff that this guy's still getting, that could be cut in half. Mm-hmm. It will be. Right. There's no doubt that it will be at some point. It will be. Right. That, that, that's um, you know, the stuff that's I, I, at look, risk I, I now. Mean, it's the good freight rates you have to start worrying is- about now. Well, and this is exactly what my brother was talking about with diversification. You know, when, when I started hauling some loads for Schneider, obviously I talked to my brother. He said, look, he said, I would be working with these people. There's some safety there. And so, you know, that, that's, that's what we've done. We've, we forged a relationship with, with Schneider to be more diversified because exactly I'm anticipating exactly what you're talking about 
you know, we have some furniture runs that, that pay very, very well. There will be people knocking on their door saying, yes. I'm going to do it for half. And I cannot blame them for saying, that, okay, uh, let's do it. Uh, of course. You know, they're going to have to do that. Of course. So, yes. So you diversify and you control your expenses every which way you possibly can. And obviously fuel is your biggest expense and you do everything you can to improve your fuel efficiency and all the people preach and just go get a better rate. That's stupid. They're all going to be sitting in the poorhouse before long. And, and, and it, it's so, common work. We're, we're very close. So now let, let's look at this. Let, let's, I'm just going to use some numbers with, with this guy. So you, I heard him mention a couple of times about, I think it was like $5 a mile. He, he said, kind of said a couple of times that could drop to two fifty in, in an mm-hmm. environment like this over an extended mm-hmm. period of time you would be able to walk in and pull that freight at 250 and make money. Well, yeah, there's, there's no <laughs> either of us could. Right. And, and guess what happens yeah, when the economy comes no back? Doubt. When the economy comes back, that company is not going to call up the old guy who couldn't do it as the rate <laughs> dropped and say, oh, hey, come back. It's $5 exactly, a mile now. That, uh, I can pay you. Exactly. Yeah, right. exactly. That's going to be your freight when it comes back. Well, you won't be right. Oh, oh, exactly. But but you you're assuming that that phone is still going to have service. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, this you're is right. part of the problem, right? Capacity drives drives these rates around, and people they seem to think that there's some wizardry involved in this five dollar a mile freight. This is just hungover stuff from when capacity was tight and rates went to the moon. It will change. Why, as a business, why would you continue to pay five dollar a mile when everybody around you is paying two twenty five? You know, that's not good well, business. It, well, and let's talk about it. Something it could else be that, a particular type. Go ahead, Alec. Uh, well, I was just going to say it could be some sort of specialized it, RGN low boy, whatever. You know, it's probably something like that. But the you know the the people are always going to be there's always competition, and exactly. there's going to be somebody knocking it, on the door who's going to run it for four ninety. Yeah, and you know what you else know, is different? You know, and then it's going to be 485. You know what else is different when, in an environment like this? If we go back two years ago when the market was hot, the rates are through the roof, you, you couldn't find enough trucks, nobody's going to switch carriers at that point because you could end up with total dirt bags. But these businesses are smart enough to know if somebody comes in deep into this recession with a lower rate and they're still around, they're probably pretty damn good at what they do. So these these shippers could be looking at saying, hey, this is a good time for us to pick up good carriers at good rates. Yeah, no, there's good no thing. doubt. Yep, there's no doubt. All right, good stuff. We've been here a long time. We're going we're gonna to call it and we're going to get on with our weekend. Anybody have any final words of wisdom? <laughs> Yes, I'm looking forward yeah. to finding out th- about the eggs next week. Yeah, I'm going to have to. <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, do some sleuthing. And for, and for that matter, uh, also, what w- what would you think of me bringing on the uh, person that ends up doing the ride along with me next week? Absolutely, love to talk to him. Anybody else? Yeah, I've got just a little final thing, sure. and because I, I see it so much out in social media now. You know, everybody's talking about we need to organize. All the drivers need to get together. You do not. It's educate, educate, educate. Do not organize. Educate yourself first. 
Then if you want to organize, do what you want to do, but just get educated. That's what the industry needs right now. We need, we you need mean, to be educated, not organized. Good point. You mean I went the wrong way, Joe? I just went and organized my tire chains. <laughs> no, you should have educated them. Yeah, but, make, make them organize themselves. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm always off well, track, Mark just Jane. a little behind. That's right. <laughs> I, I was just going to say on the on the organization part or unionized, look how well it's working for everybody else, and I would recommend not to go down that path. That's a good so, point. They're all on strike. Um, the other we thing, just talking about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, relationships are key. Uh, Joel mentioned that he's getting a got a lot of heat for you know, and he did it deliberately to his credit to to talk about Schneider and the megas and how they're the problem. Well, here's the funny thing. We've established a relationship with a group within Schneider that's not public facing. In other words, you know, it's more of a specialty. Yeah. So people say, oh, that's, that's low freight. You know, well, guess what? Not the freight that we're hauling because you can't see it. So you have no idea what the rate is, number one. And number two, I just got an email this morning with 35 lanes that they want me to bid on. So you can be darn sure that I'm bidding it and it's not going to be cheap freight. <laughs> Correct. So, here's, here's you know, the it's thing. It, you, you mean you did that odd thing? Like, what, 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 <laughs> you, you did that weird thing like you proved yourself first? <laughs> well, and this is yeah. everybody <laughs> thinks that, that we had some oh inside God. track before we went to Schneider. We walked into Schneider cold. I knew nobody at Schneider. Nobody at all. We went in there cold, just started taking loads off the public load board. And now they're coming yep. to us say, hey, can you do this for us? Can you do this for us? And we haven't been there that long. Yeah, you and know what? throwing stuff at us. You know what this points out? In a down market. I, you know what this points out? And I hate to keep it's, saying It's this, because but, you have a purple shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I, I guess what? They, they're, they're at the owner-operator small fleet levels, let's say 10 trucks or less. I've been saying it for years. You guys, have, there is no competition. No, there's no. none. To, there's none to speak of. That's how why it's so easy for you to walk into a highly competitive business, trucking, highly competitive. But down at this end of the market, there's almost no competition. No, it, it's unfortunate that, I, and I, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but people just do it wrong. Right. They're constantly they doing do. it wrong, yep. and that's that has been accepted. That's just the norm. Well, they're going to screw this all up. <laughs> you know, let's just throw these loads out here, and if we happen to find somebody, we'll give right. them the decent stuff. You so know, I, 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 I don't uh, want to. Amazing. I don't want to take anything away from you guys. You run a hell of an operation over there. That's why we bring you on every week to talk about it. But. I mean, you guys didn't do anything spectacular at that Schneider. It was actually pretty easy, no, wasn't it? No, <laughs> no, it was basic, yeah. just basic things that you should do to develop a relationship and do your job. Just very basic stuff. There was no, no special. I took somebody out to dinner for $10,000 and bought my way into something. It was, it was just, we done, we done what we said we're going to do and we communicated to them if we had issues. You know, That's it, it. what you just said, Larry Wing, it's number one rule in life. Do what you say you're going to do. It's that huh, simple. Yeah. 
And that's that's what you did. Imagine that, right? But you know, when 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 there are challenges, and there always are going to be challenges when yes. there's disagreements, I don't get out on social media and go, "These idiots at Snyder are the <laughs> biggest <laughs> bunch of assholes. They boned me for fifteen hundred dollars." Okay, you know, uh, I, I don't do that. Exactly. And I will never, right. ever, ever. That's my customer. Yeah. You don't do that type of, but. In our industry, oh, that's the norm. Yep. Yeah. Not only that, these guys aren't it's, even it's waiting. And it, they're not even waiting until they're parked to bitch. They're driving and they're on TikTok making videos <laughs> about it. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. You know, it's business. There are always yeah. challenges in business, and and I, if if you expect that you're going to buy a truck and everything's going to happen perfectly, and if it doesn't, it's somebody else's fault. Just sell your truck and get the hell out hey, because just, you're the problem. I just realized what's and going nobody on wants here. To, nobody wants to hear that, but. <laughs> I, I just realized what's going on here. I'm being exploited. <laughs> you, you guys all admitted you have to work all weekend, and you keep sucking me back in. I'm trying to get on with my weekend. <laughs> well, well, you know, if you would get organized, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. the problem. Uh, wait, need to organize. Wait, yeah. wait until you get the email from my union telling them, telling you that you can't keep me here late on Fridays anymore. <laughs> well, Lisa's probably on it, and she's organizing your, your connection right now. Uh, Lisa's out at the farm playing with the chickens <laughs> like I should be. All right. All right. We're going to huh. get out there and get her done. Yes, we're going to do that. <laughs> Great stuff today, guys. Thank you. We'll do it again next weekend. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.